Now, here's the significance. Here's what I think about hip hop glowing global. I think that the reason or the cause, the motivation, the purpose or how, right, the process by which it's able to go global is because it's the music that represents human struggle the best. Welcome to another episode of Natural Thoughts and Talks. I'm your host, Venture O'Neill. Thank you for tuning in. And like always, we appreciate all your support and everything that you guys do. We really love all the positive feedback that we've been getting. Hannah's not with us today. Right now, it's more of an intimate conversation with me and uh, someone who's really special to me, someone who's really planted the seed for not only my growth, but others' growth within the community. Very special guy. His name is Professor Damon Cagnolati. I'll go ahead and let you introduce yourself. What's going on, folks? Um, Damon Cagnolati, uh, also too known as your friendly neighborhood professor. Swinging through the hallways, highways, and byways of a local podcast near you now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's yeah. going on, man? Hey, I'm chilling. We were, right before we hit recording here, you were talking about uh, the Skynet. So oh, that was yeah. something that went right <laughs> over my head, guys. And I'll tell you right now what I just learned about the Skynet is there was a movie way back when, Terminator. Probably seen it. I've seen it. I know Arnold Schwarzenegger was in it. He was killing it. Icon. I get Terminator. What me being born in the year 2000 doesn't understand is I don't have every little reference and inside joke out of a movie that came out in what 1984 (laughs) whatever year it came out and I just (laughs) I I get the movie reference but everything else goes straight over so basically the segue from Terminator is you were explaining like uh, the issue that you know older generations have with surveillance versus my you know film me it's all good bro like you know at least tell me so I can smile like I'm cool with you taking a picture just like what's up yeah so you know I was actually talking about Skynet right that was like the kind of reference he was like oh shoot that kind of sparked it all really uh, it's ironic right for anybody who actually knows that movie intimately Scott there's a there's a kind of pun that might actually be that'll lie underneath there for for the nerds in the audience <laughs> but yeah. skynet kind of sparked off our dialogue and discussion much like it sparked off judgment day in the uh in the movie itself um you know i think for a lot of folks who are i come out of the era of uh um i consider myself to be like a kind of hip-hop generation head uh but you know some i come out of the era where you kind of are at the cusp between like generation x and and the millennials so I was like the, 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 we're like the little brother generation after Generation X, right? Little brother, little sister generation. Um, you know, for us, when we grew up, you know, the Skynet, you know, there's always surveillance, you know, there's like cameras that were like, you know, always kind of on you, especially in like the kind of neighborhood in South LA and Inglewood, right? Growing up through like, you know, the riots and during like that era, the idea of like an ever-present police presence, right, in the neighborhood was just something I was kind of always looming so like this hyper awareness that i know uh folks not only from that era but definitely from that part of town that part of los angeles have about you know surveillance and you know being you know caught on the phone doing x y or z that's it's it's very much on high alert man Mm -hmm. it's on high alert yeah um, go, go tell us a little bit more about yourself as far as your bio wise, you know, what are you doing? You're a professor here at Cerritos college. Go ahead and get into that. Let us yeah. know what's up. Yeah. So I'm at Cerritos college. I actually been teaching here for about maybe 12 years now. Um, I've been here for a little while. 
it's a lot longer than what I actually thought, but uh, I was born and raised in uh, South Los Angeles, kind of grew up uh, on 36th place between Normandy and Western, um, which is down the street from USC. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's kind of familiar with the area knows, right, the history of the college, so on and so forth. I grew up in the uh, different world era, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, looking at Dwayne Wayne and Whitley and all of those folks on TV was a uh, reference for me, right, um, in regards to college, kind of some of the first images I saw, right? Okay. Um, so, you know, really kind of looking at, uh, Hillman, which was actually shot at HBCUs, uh, down South. Um, but it was, I think it was actually filmed in a studio out here in like Burbank or something like that. Me being a kid, I didn't really kind of, I wasn't able to distinguish between, you know, a studio audience or like a studio shot versus, you know, the school down the street. Yeah. So I used to see the, some of the same brick buildings that, you know, were in, like, the show, A Different World. I'd see them over there at USC when we passed by, and I knew on A Different World that was college. And wait a minute, Mommy, what do you call this? Uh, That's a college too? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, I want to go there. That's where Dwayne Wayne is with the, you know, with the glasses and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when it really comes to, like, my profession, I kind of sort of, it's always been there, right? I just didn't necessarily have that at my forefront. I didn't have as close of a relationship with it in my younger years as I did once I finally got older. Um, but the thing that draws me to the classroom is just being able to help young folks make a change in their life to discover that. I like that a lot. And that's honestly one of the biggest things why I wanted to have you on the podcast is because I selfishly, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are sort of going through a kindness stage. You see what I'm saying? That's that's sort of... You, all right, I'm just going to use the word kindness yeah. for this episode. Yeah. Maybe if that's just what we start with, it's kindness. There's a lot of people around that I'm seeing where maybe 10 years ago, five years ago, even shit, three, four years ago, before I started making this transition into a more well-rounded human being, I used to look at them as like soft. Mm-hmm. There was, there mm-hmm. was, you know, like it says, you called me the hammer earlier. A hammer only sees nails. That's all I was seeing was I go, oh, no, you know, you don't got it. You don't you don't got that yeah. it factor. Yeah. You don't have that. We're not realizing that there's a lot of tools in the tool chest. You need people. That's what builds a functioning society is. Whereas I maybe am OK going out in the middle of the night. Guess what? There's certain things that I'm not passionate about that so-and-so loves to do. They yeah. love anime. They love yeah. robotics, all other sorts of shit. And I was just like, I want to play ball or something yeah. like that. Yeah. You need all those people to make that ecosystem of success that's why i invited you on the podcast and appreciate you for coming out oh, and you. not even coming out just i came we're, we're in your office right now so guys we're here <laughs> on cerritos campus here in the liberal arts building just you know getting after it and it's honestly it's good because they feel like little field trips to me yeah, whenever yeah. i get a guest on and you know i always give them the option hey you're you know my home is always open come pop on the couch that's where we record most of the episodes or i'll come to you whatever's more convenient i like it when they pick hey come to me yeah. as long as it ain't way out in like Rancho Cucamonga or something like that. I'm like, yeah, that's the valley. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to get out there. That's a lot of, yeah, that's just a bit. So let's zoom that one in. (laughs) But I love it because it's intimate. You know, you're right here. I got you right here locked in and you ain't ain't going nowhere. So at all, (laughs) tell me about what you're doing with your non-for-profit. So during the pandemic, um, well, actually, let me start back just a little bit okay. because there's there's a lot of history, I think, that's there. Um, first and foremost, I think um, I'll start off just with the name because there's a lot that's in the name, right? The power of it, <clears throat> especially the story behind it. 
uh, the story's not mine. It was something that I was actually given. So that's really why I want to start there. Um, so I run a nonprofit called uh, Emerge, which is uh, an acronym that stands for Elevated Minds Embracing Righteousness and Gaining Equality. Like so that. the idea that so I did not invent that. I wish that I could, but that was super duper creative. Like really, it was a creative reflection of some of my other peers at the high school that I went to. Um, I went to uh, King Drew Medical Magnet High School um, and and had, you know, dreams, thoughts, aspirations of wanting to become a doctor, like an ER physician with a special emphasis in cardiovascular surgery. My parents didn't really know what to do with that all too much, except for, hey, there's a there's a high school that actually does focus on medicine and science. Let's put him there. And they, you know, helped as much as they possibly could. Right. That was that was kind of the thing. Um, but really in a lot of ways, the, my other classmates, we were the ones who actually kind of, who looked out for each other. That's kind of another, uh, I would say another feature maybe perhaps of like that generation too as well. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, right alongside of, you know, Terminator, right. 1984, you have this film called the Goonies. Right? I like the Goonies. <laughs> the Goonies. Oh, the Goonies is fire. I've Dude. seen that like 10 times. The right. Shuffle, shuffle, <laughs> yes. The shuffle. Yes. Yeah. Right. Come mm -hmm. on. You know, like there's this, there's a whole like that Goonie mentality, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, a pack, like, yo, yo, these are my folks, this is my crew, we're gonna ride together, we're gonna die together, we're gonna do da 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 da. We're gonna always be there. So that was how it was like at my high school too, as well. And maybe around like 2002, there was a group of young folks who just really wanted to create spaces and opportunities for other young folks to really start to get into, you know, deep conversations about society, about politics, about art, philosophy, and all of that stuff, right? Even poetry. They put together like the first slam poetry event at, the, at King Drew, right? Ever. So they needed a name to kind of call themselves something, right? And and uh, one of my guys, Jared, he actually did. He was the he was the individual who, right alongside of Nick Chitty and uh, Chanel Brimmer, these are all folks who were what we call like O2s, right? They were the first graduating class, uh, the first freshman graduating class of King Drew. They actually got together and they formed a group. That was that was that was the name that they actually chose to come up with. Right. It was a part of a kind of kind of a community service orientation with, uh, you know, hey, we're focused on the arts. Mm -hmm. Fast forward. I came into the uh, into the student group after they graduated, uh, along with some other friends of mine. And, you know, we just decided to actually try to take what it was that they laid the foundation of to the next level. So, you know, where they had a poetry night, we had one, too, except we invited Saul Williams. Right. To come on out. Um, you know, we, we tried to get, you know, churches to sponsor us for different things, events that we had going on. Um, whatever it was that they did, they did it first, right? We just tried to add on to what it was that they kind of set the foundation for. And really that's the tale of the tape when it comes to a lot of folks who graduated from King Drew, who were ever a part of Emerge. We went out to different schools and started up Emerges on different campuses from UC Riverside to Cal State LA to, um, you know, I think they even may have had a chapter over at either, I can't remember if it was Stanford or some other school, like kind of near or in the Bay Area. But that really just kind of set the seeds for us wanting to do a kind of human or public service work. Um, for us, we thought it would actually be really cool if we created job opportunities for young folks who were in college looking for jobs in between the summers when the financial aid check runs out. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that was me and my best friend when we started up the chapter over at uh, UC Riverside. 
fast forward 15 years later, like somewhere around like 2015, we start um, offering how to apply to college workshop series. Uh, really just opportunities where we can just call in all the kids that we knew from the neighborhood and pull in some friends from like the college, the community colleges, UCs and CSUs to come on in and talk to us about their application process. We would run those out of local churches. And well, before you know it, right around the pandemic, 2000, uh, 2020, that's when we decided to actually establish ourselves as an official 501c3. Uh, that actually allowed us to really just go into the neighborhood, go into the community that we grew up in, South Los Angeles, Watts, Compton, Inglewood, Hawthorne, and uh, provide young mentors for young black boys in foster care, ages 12 to 18. So that's really a lot of the work that we actually do right now. We're partnered with a few different uh, community-based organizations that work on providing mentors for young black boys in foster care. And the project that we're actually a part of is called uh, the Fostering Youth Resiliency Project. Okay. So it's kind of a multi-pronged um, partnership between uh, community-based organizations and also to local county organizations uh, in combination with you know other uh, nonprofits that provide programming and, you know, resources and scholarships and, you know, camps specifically for like coding and things of that sort. We bring all of those varying interests together, community colleges, right? Um, um, learning communities on community college campuses like Emoja. We bring all those entities there together to provide a service and to create an ecosystem where these young boys from foster care can actually grow and thrive to become better men. I like that a lot. And better human beings, really. That's the ultimate goal that we're after. I love that. I think the coolest thing that I observe about you is your ability to give uh, unconditionally without uh you know un like without a transaction yeah. and i think that's the way it's supposed to be um your story talking about like wanting to be a doctor is it's so funny because i i i've heard that before that's not the first time it's actually like it's my mom's story is she wanted it's just this thing of helping people i don't know why you kids went to like oh i'll help people's bodies like i'll go become a doctor because that's the route to go and it's funny <laughs> because she actually ended up as in a very advanced academic as well so mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. you guys just <laughs> And when I put you guys in it, like not to group you guys in, but it's just though that's the club I'm trying to get into. You see what I'm saying? Is yeah. I did so well in developing a warrior, an yeah. actual yeah. legit like battle-born human being that's ready to go under any conditions. Now I go, okay, let me switch now. Let's see what this room's about. Let's yeah. go in here. And yeah. that's the whole point is getting into different rooms, meeting certain people, asking questions, not being fearful to ask for help yeah. if you need it. Yeah, That's super cool. And I think where I was going with that was like, the difference between in like an individualistic mindset and then understanding the collective. And what I've been learning recently is sort of the American way, what I've grown up with times 10 is mm. what my grandfather and my father were able to just, hey, we're going to burn this into your soul. And guess what? Yeah, yeah you're going to take care of yourself at the end of the day, but you're not going to help those around you. Mm. It's not going to be mm. natural to help mm. those around you. I understand. I'm like that kid that, yeah, I got two cookies here and I see the kid next to me and got no cookie. It's very hard for me to go here you know what yeah, i mean yeah, like yeah, all yeah, right yeah, here you yeah, go buddy yeah. like there it is that's not natural for me and it wasn't 
I had something that I'm actively working on developing right now. And I see so many people, Hannah, Hannah is, she has no cookie. She'll give both cookies to that person right there. And I go, whoa, hold on now. Wait a minute. We need something for us. That's basically what our relationship, hold on now. What about us? Yeah. Let's not give everything away. All right. Calm down. It has to make sense. Like that's just like that generosity is something that I'm working on developing aggressively, like actively every day I look for it. And it's so cool that you're starting that and just making sure that, the community grows because as we increase as a collective, you know, everybody gets better. So, yeah. no, you're 100% right. And, you know, I mean, really, for me, <clears throat> that kind of comes together in, you know, that analogy that I was trying to draw earlier about, like, you know, the Goonies. Mm-hmm. When you go back and you look at that movie, and not to be like super duper deep or philosophical about it, but I mean, these are the movies that we grew up with as, you know, uh, as as kids, he grew up. I grew with. up with, yeah, right. When I say we, I mean like you know a lot of folks who are folks who are there. <laughs> people with ones in their birthday, and then there's the people with twos in front of their birthday. So I'm two thousand, Cag. So you gotta like we were talking about that earlier. You gotta like that's something I'm gonna teach you right now. Is you gotta understand I'm 22 years old. All right, like two yeah. thousands. Like here's the thing: is I'm actually probably one of the last human beings that actually remembers something before an app. I remember. Remember that it was for like two days. I get that, and I didn't have to struggle as much as you guys did. I didn't have to apply to college, uh, mailing shit in. Like I don't care about any of that. I don't think you guys understand when you guys say these like old war stories and stuff. It means nothing to me. Like they're like, oh yeah, but look at these computers, all this shit. It's like yeah, use it. It's right there. Like it don't make no sense to me. That's so funny, man. You know, so it's funny to me for a couple of reasons because like. You know, I I totally understand it. <laughs> I used to sit down and talk with my grandparents. Yeah. And they would tell me about, you know, this thing or that thing, like a word processor, right? Yeah. Like that thing there is, you talk about ancient for y'all. Like that's an ancient thing. That, for me, not that old. Like yeah. I kind of sort of remember it, but I never really used it, you know? Betamax tapes. Like that was like the, it was there. I was there for like two seconds, right? Yeah. That was the thing before VCRs. So like the thing that's funny to me about that is, even in those kind of like pockets or like kind of nooks and crannies of like, you know, old forgone memories, there's something interesting. I always used to find something interesting in those kernels, in those pockets, some little thing, right? Like this is kind of how I, uh, uh, I think really how like vinyl ends up kind of coming back into like popularity. Take for example, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a certain sound quality, of course, that vinyl actually has to it, but there are also the stories that actually go around vinyl too, right? Like we didn't grow up necessarily with vinyl like that. We were CD players and tapes, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But vinyl is like cracking for y'all, right? Like yeah. y'all love vinyl. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, right? Yeah, I get it. Like it's a, it's like kind of like a museum-y kind of yeah. fun. Like, oh, this is cool. Like you put it on and it's it's almost like cool to do it the harder way. You know yeah, what I mean? Yes. Of like, yeah. So nah. it's like, wait, it's just one album. So wait, it's just one artist on this. Wait a minute. I got to flip it over. What you mean? Like, so that's, that's one of those things where it, it's back in style and like people rock with it, but it, it goes to like a connection to our past. So that's where it is, is. And that's the cool factor of it is being connected to people who maybe aren't around anymore. Even the fucking artists that are on those vinyls, you know, Marvin Gaye, like a James Brown, stuff like that, where I go, 
oh, this is this is how I do it for the 60s, for the 70s, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. Similar to where how you are looking at the vinyl and the artists that I just named, that's how I look at certain hip-hop artists from the 90s that unfortunately sure. aren't with us anymore is yeah. it's it's a really weird and i've even like talked to my dad about this where if you were able to go into my head and look at tupac and look at biggie and look at uh you know like ice cubes still around but just 90s goats mm -hmm. it's really weird because they don't exist like they don't they're not tangible yeah. human beings yeah. in my yeah. head they're just icons yeah, they're yeah, just yeah. people that i grew up listening you know in the early 2000s growing up that like they were already gone so it's just i have the what they created that's all i have i don't have like a, a mtv interview with them or like there's nothing that i can touch other than the greatness that they left behind no i totally understand that you know what's interesting for me about that i just had a i have one of those moments last week uh today's Monday, last Tuesday, as a matter of fact, <clears throat> I went out to go see Nas and the Wu-Tang Clan. Mm -hmm. My previous best concert ever that I went to in life was in 2005, Kanye West touched the sky tour. Okay. The first time I ever got introduced to Lupe, I think he brought Fantasia out, he had Keisha Cole and like a few other acts. It was probably the most lit concert I had ever been to. Beyonce's was cool, but that one there, like, really moved me. Okay. This Nas and Wu-Tang concert blows all of those things out oh, of the yeah. water. This was like a 100% dose of what they call real hip-hop. Mm -hmm. And all of that is is just a euphemism for hip-hop that was played during a certain era, right? I mean, you got real hip-hop that exists outside of all of that stuff for sure, right? That's, that's But it's focused in on a specific kind of era with a specific kind of feel and vibe to it. Mind you, I've never seen, for example, uh, somebody like an LL Cool J, right, perform. This is LL Cool J. You yeah. know who he is. Yeah. He still resonates in this era like today. He's mm -hmm. very relevant, right? Mm -hmm. We probably know him more as like the dude on NCIS now, right? Yeah. But still, it's LL, right? Okay. I just saw this man perform for the first time in my life on last Tuesday. Mm -hmm. And my partner, I was with her and she got video of me. I looked like I was five years old. <laughs> I grew up with Mama said knock knock yeah. you out. Like I'm, you know, I mean the battle between him and Kumo D, all that I remember that very vividly as a kid. That's car wash music on a Saturday. Yeah. Right? Or cleaning cleaning music. Like that's who I grew up. That's LL, right? Mm -hmm. Ninety eight, it becomes, yo, that's the dude who introduced DMX, right? On at least to the mainstream popular joint, right? I got to see this man perform last week. Yeah. And let me tell you. I was like beside myself altogether. Showmanship, energy, lyrics. I mean, like just the focus and the clarity. He only came out for like maybe a song and that was it. I was lit the whole song. Yeah. Like for some, I, I think it's what you get at when you say, when you mention the folks like Marvin and and, and all of those folks from the vinyls, it's it. you're absolutely right when you say that is uh, uh, something that ties us to the past. In addition to that, right, it's 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 not only something that just ties us to the past, like kind of randomly, it's something that actually helps us to move forward. It's not just it's not unilateral. Right. I think there's a something that there's a signal that bounces back and forth. Right. That really helps to propel us forward. Right. With the memory of what's important. 
And so that way we don't lose it as we continue like walking down the road, right, of progress. Mm -hmm. But it also, too, allows us to, it gives us guidance. It gives us guidance for where to move, how to move, with what values, right, do we kind of enter in our decision-making matrix as we're moving forward. It gives us a blueprint to kind of develop that understanding and to move with it as we go forward. I like that. And I really like uh, certain people that I've interacted with that maybe aren't, you know, like up on game on hip hop like that is I explain it as an oral history. Yeah, that's good. That's I good. explain it as I understand how profane it may sound mm -hmm. to a new user, but mm -hmm. you got to understand that this these people help motivate me and give me certain wisdom and nuggets that I can take with my everyday life yeah. because they're my people. You yeah. know what I mean? I yeah. feel a direct connection with them because I understand what's going on within these oral stories, within these situations that I, I'm going to let you know right now, they didn't put themselves into. It's right. just sort of a product of an unfortunate circumstance that yeah. they found themselves in and they're trying to survive and thrive within that. And I just sort of want you to go into the globalization of hip hop. Yeah. If that's one of the things yeah. that like real quick before you get into that is I'm going over to Sweden. Mm -hmm. I'm going over to places in, let's say, Costa Rica. That's yeah. sort of the too big that I've hit over this past year or two. And we are we have arrived. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. As yeah. in like. The shit that I grew up with that, you know, I you know, came from you guys that was branded into my soul is over there. Mm -hmm. The thing that scares me is that there's no understanding of the oral history of where that comes from. So yeah. that's okay to do. I'm okay with you rocking the J's, yeah. listening to the chronic, yeah. doing everything that you want to do because I fuck with all that. Yeah. They're dope shoes. Yeah. It's dope music. The Period. food, everything that you're doing. The Period. culture. It's okay. I just need you to know where the culture comes from yeah. because like I said, my biggest fear and something that I think that my generation is going to be really good at is not losing control of the products that we create mm. like it has happened you know over the past several generations i'm making sure that hey i'm not on a radio right now yeah, where yeah, am i at yeah. i'm on the internet yeah what am i doing with that this is natural thoughts and talks you go ahead and you google it who's in charge of that man named Venture O'Neill runs mm -hmm. that. So you can go ahead and talk to him about any discrepancies or anything that's going on, and he's going to handle that and yeah. make the best decision for his show, his team, the people that are guests on there. I'm going to make sure that they're taken care of versus somebody who maybe is out of touch or some executive or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Something, somebody yeah. who is not a part of the creative process telling us what the creative process should be. Absolutely. That shit pisses me off. So I'm making sure that it ain't going to happen with the people coming up behind me yeah. and with me right now. So the globalization of hip hop, how did you see it? Do you see what I'm saying? That's yeah. something where, because I'm a part of a generation where it's just everywhere. It just happened. And luckily I've just been in the birthplace of it. And you know what I mean? Within yeah. the culture that created it, uh, go into it. How do you, how was it as a childhood? What was hip hop like? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because you, um, made a very smart and important distinction. Uh, one of the first, let, let's, let's say that this here is going to be one of lesson number one that I'm going to take home with me today is that you were born with a two in front of your, yeah. uh, in front of your, your, your birthday. Right. Yep. Um, and real quick too, funny story on that is the bartenders too. Those are the other people that are, uh, wait a minute. So me and Hannah, Hannah's born. Oh, one, I was born. Oh, that's when they go, 
oh, like I've been doing this job too long. Like I need, I can't, it's time to hang up these bottles, man. Like this shit says it too. Here we go. Hey Mikey, you see this? Like it says 2000 on it. And that was Dude. like a trip for them. And yeah. I'm like, can I have my ID back? All right. Like, give me my ID. I'm going, you ain't getting no tip. Give me this. Like, <laughs> That's funny. You know, I can imagine like if I were in that kind of field of work or if I were looking at IDs often. I would have like I would I would probably trip out too. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I've been several people's first two before, and like I got a tattoo <laughs> on my side that has a birthday in yeah. Roman numerals. Yeah. And I got it when I was like eighteen, I think. So I was fresh off the prep. Like this was yeah. a two. The, yeah. the artist had never. Not only had the artist never done a two, it was a moment for the shop of like, hey guys, I got a, a two thousand <laughs> that I'm doing. So yeah, it was just like. That's trip, awesome. But yeah, I'm like, hey, shut up, guys. You old, like these no, war stories. I don't yeah. care. Y'all want to hang on to it. But <laughs> you guys love doing that. And you like, know, I'm here. Like, I'm I'm a grown adult. All right. Like, you deal know, with it. That's that's funny. Right. I mean, it's, it's I know for me and I'm sure for like a lot of other folks who are kind of in that era, too. It's more of like, uh, like, like, it's more like, fuck. Mm. Like I'm that guy now. Yeah. I used to be him. It's almost like um, I can't remember specifically how the line goes, but it's from Naruto. It's the moment in which, like, it's a line. It's a motif that keeps repeating, um, where Itachi actually says to Sasuke during their during their battle. Right? He says, "It's like I'm looking back at my looking back into a mirror of an of an earlier version of myself, or something to that effect." Okay. Right. Um, so for anybody who might have actually seen Naruto, right, or be interested in that kind of thing, is that, is that moment. That's what I think that moment is for those bartenders and for folks like me. It's like, damn, yo, nah, like I used to, I used to be, I, I used to say that. Yeah. I, I used to be me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just a weird kind of like reflection moment, dude. Two months, two years, no. whatever behind Oh, the you students, thought you were dude. like the young student. You were the cool guy, I huh? Was the you young used to teacher. be the cool. Oh, like yeah. you understand, Cad. Come on yes. now. Like, hey, you catch that show last night? Yes. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Of course. That's not you. No. Not anymore. <laughs> I'm, I am uncle. They yeah. call me uncle now. Yeah. I'm like, I'm nobody's uncle. Uh huh. <laughs> no. That makes sense. Like an older brother, maybe. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, no, that's they call it. me Unk. It's funny because I know coaches like that too, where when they started their career, honestly, like Rich, he thinks he's like that too, where he's like, "What? Do you, I, I'm I'm only two years removed from my athletic career. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. yo, no, what? Not two years? I, I could still do it. Please don't. Like, I got to call your wife. I got to do this. I got to call 911. That's just, we don't need that. Dude, listen, that, and so what's funny is that Rich and I used to go to the same school. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my, that's, that's my guy from, like, way back, and we're just not that young anymore. No. <laughs> we uh-huh. are now officially, like, we've been here for some time. Or I'll, I'll talk about myself. I've been here for some time. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and that's one of the things, too, where I've had some older guys on in their 50s, some, some mature men that, yeah. uh, you know, been in the game a long time. And that's been sort of my biggest question is like, you still feel, I'm not saying like physically you feel the same, but your consciousness is the same. So that's something that seems like through me asking them, that doesn't change. You're still the same 13 year old. You're still the same 30 year old. You're still the same 60 year old, just at different stages of life. And that's, (laughs) I think once you understand that, 
depending on what age you're at, that's when the game kind of changes. You go, oh, I'm still going to be here. Just where am I going to be when I'm there? So yeah, yeah. that was honestly one of the things that I was scared of is I was so scared to be like, like, cause I like who I am. Sure. But now yeah. knowing that like, no, I'm still going to be me. You're just going to be you 20 years from now, 30 years from now, you're still going to be venture. So, and you'll have a different range of like possibilities or spaces that you can move in. Um, I think one of the one of the things that was um, the, one of the examples that I think about is like I played my uncle one time in basketball, and this is when I was like I was young, I was young and hungry, like I was a young dog. I was in the gym, I was all that. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. had a little size on me, and you know I played my uncle in basketball, and and, and he beat me. You know, more a little story, he beat me. Yeah. How was something that I could not really wrap my head around. And mind you, here's how the game kind of went. I'm active. I'm I'm energetic. I'm going to the hole. I'm doing all of this stuff. You know what I'm saying, man? I'm spending a lot of energy. My unk, he just backed me down. <laughs> Kept backing me down. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Turn, switch, make a bucket. You know what I'm saying? Bank shot the joint. Like, he had a few different moves that he was able to pull. And I'm like tired at the end of this game like dang man why i'm I'm out of breath man i'm the young one Mm -hmm. (laughs) my uncle was like experience yeah (laughs) that's all he said (laughs) he walked off i was like wait a minute how did he just beat me right now so you know i think that they're just different pockets that you're able to exercise in you know as you get older you have like the knowledge and the skill to actually match some of the physical attributes Others, you got to kind of sort of find a way around whatever injuries may have popped up or like whatever, you know, kind of like new incapacities you're experiencing, right? Like, you know, some things I for sure can't do like how I used to like when I was younger. Mm -hmm. Take, for example, squatting. Yeah. Like I can squat regularly, like, you know, traditional squats, but like. I have to do it with like weights underneath my heels. I have to do it ergonomically correct. I got to yeah. sit my butt under my chest. I got to make sure I'm in the right position. And I'm not doing a whole bunch of weight. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm just not. When I was a kid, rack them up there, gack, gack, gack. It's done. I like that. And um, another thing too is like talking to these old guys is one of them told me, he was like, hey, you know, like, that old guy that you just look at him and you're like, dang, he looks like shit. Like he's just, how old is he? Oh, he's only 45. And he just, just gut all out, crack out, just real bad. He goes, you don't have to be that guy. You know that, right? Like that's not, that's what happens when you let go. Like yes. if you stay on it and you yes. continue doing what you're doing, that's why, you know, I'm in the gym several days a week, like mm-hmm. just getting after it. and not even nothing crazy, just stuff that I'm preparing for the long term. Yeah, I'm really yeah. doing certain things where I go, okay, no, I could do this for the next 30 years of my life be 50 and be extremely fit so that's like like we were talking about with hannah's dad shout out to matt's like this is a dude that just ran a marathon last year you know what i mean just up and did it just Just still getting it on a whim yeah yeah if i get in there like that's the guy you got to watch in the corners oh wait a minute (laughs) hold on now so i i model myself after him of like oh yeah no you don't have to just you know, yeah, things may not be recovering as fast as they used to, yeah. but they still can recover with the proper techniques put forth in place. Absolutely. You know? And that actually is the difference. I think that's part of what at least I was able to glean from my uncle's like one word response as he walked <laughs> off, like his, you know, his mic drop moment. Wisdom. That part is like wisdom for me now looks like knowing the process of how to recover, like in everything. We went out to a tequila fest a few months ago, me and some friends. 
Well, before we actually got to really, really drinking, there's a such thing that's called BC powder. <laughs> if you, this is very old school. What is this? <laughs> this is a very old school recipe and remedy. Okay. This has been here for years, decades upon decades. Like your your mom's mom's mom probably took it, you know, back in the day to like kind of get over a hangover. BC powder is like comes in a little. Um, like a little package. You can get it at like CVS or something like that. It looks almost kind of like Alka-Seltzer, except it's not like the tablets, just like the fizzy stuff. Mm -hmm. So you just pop that in some water, just like a little powder. You pop it in water, stir it up, boom. You drink it before you start drinking. You will not have a hangover. Okay. You will not have a hangover at all. This is an old school remedy, BC powder. But between that and also this thing called liquid IVs, you've yeah. seen that in yeah. CBS. Oh yeah, we're right? we're on we're big on liquid IV. Big yeah. on liquid IV mm-hmm. is amazing. You take so we're at this tequila fest. We're drinking. This is a hardcore day, mm-hmm. <laughs> a full blown drinking. Before we actually got to it, it was like, "Where's the BC powder? Where's the liquid IV? I need my water with me, and let's go ahead and let's have fun." Like part of getting older <laughs> and that wisdom is learning how to recover. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I take those same steps right before I go to the gym. Wait a minute, let me make sure I have my protein. Let me make sure I have my carbs. Let me make sure I have something to actually follow up some aminos. Da 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 da. Where's my multivitamins before and after I get in and out of the gym? It's like having that preemptive foresight to do or know to do what it is that you know better right that's where i think that's what the difference is right um in getting older and it's it it can't be looked at as uh like a stigma of recovery it has to be looked at as it they're the same thing yeah there's no point in working out if you're not going to do the proper steps put forth to uh, actually make that workout go as far as it can for your right. body. So right. don't sit here and be like, oh, this guy's stretching. Like, oh, this guy's a bitch. Like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Wait a minute now. He's doing <laughs> something with his body that you need to be doing with yours. So. But um, speaking of like being born in that era where you have a two at the front of your birthday, you know, that was the moment or the era in which hip hop went global. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Um, And I love what you say about how important it is to really one, I mean, keeping with the tradition of hip hop, how free and open, like open minded you are just in terms of like, you know, having the openness about like, you know, yo, look, hey, this is hip hop. It's here for everybody to enjoy. And it definitely is. It was always like that, right? Um, it started out as a little low park thing, right? It kind of grew. But here's the thing about the park thing. Like, in that culture, in that community, right? And this is, and by the culture and community, I mean, you know, black and brown, right? Specifically, like, Latinx, especially coming out of, like, Puerto Rico, right? Especially coming out of, like, all of these spots, all of these different places where you have presence, a black presence and a brown or indigenous presence, right? The com- the combinations, the mixtures, right? The foods, the smells, the sounds, the languages, right? The histories, the traditions, the stories, mm. All of that is right. It forms the the kind of the hodgepodge, right? The gumbo that or the pot in which the gumbo called hip hop actually kind of is stewed in, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, let we we can't move past that or or ignore that like it's not like uh, uh, still continuously living with us because out of that cultural milieu, right? Out of that cultural gumbo, you have park jams 
And you also have traditions or, you know, kind of codes and customs of black and brown people being super inviting to just about anybody who comes through to their house. Yo, if you a guest of X, Y, or Z, oh, okay, so you who you know here? Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, we'll do, we'll, oh, okay, well, well, okay, well, come on in here. What, you want something to eat? What you want here? Come kick your feet here. I got some pound cake for you, baby. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right there's an invitation. There's an openness and an inv- and an invitingness about hip-hop that's rooted in those black and brown cultural experiences out of which hip-hop is birthed that... I mean, it, 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 when you think about that from a human level, right, um, in terms of the virtues of, of humanity, right, you know, being open, being generous, being caring, kind, right, respectful, responsible, those kind of, you know, cardinal virtues, right, hip-hop at its core, at its seed, at its root, at its plant embodies that, mm-hmm. right? That's how it's birthed. Yeah. Is it any wonder how it made it global? <laughs> it's relatable. Like it, it is us. <laughs> Come on, right? I mean, yeah. I'll take you one even further, right? Let's get ready. Let's kind of like shift on in the gears. I drive a stick. I don't even drive an automatic no more, man. Mm-hmm. I'm shifting gears myself. Yeah. Um, when you think about the kind of global impact that folks like the early pioneers in in rap and in, in hip hop music history, right, have had globally. I mean, you're talking about KRS One. He can go wherever he wants to throughout the world. Mm-hmm. You know, rock him. Right, Grandmaster Cass, Grandmaster Flash. These folks, they travel all across the entire globe doing hip hop at a cultural level, right? Now, here's the significance. Here's what I think about hip hop going going global. I think that the reason or the cause, the motivation, the purpose or how, right, the process by which it's able to go global is because it's the music that represents human struggle the best, Yes. From a contemporary philosophical standpoint, and I mean like post-Renaissance, right? Okay, from like a post-Renaissance standpoint. So so for the folks who don't know, like, you know, like the Renaissance and all that stuff, right? Like just to kind of get a little <laughs> bit more technical for a second. Yeah. Right? From 1400 until now, yes. the most prolific, the best form, right, art, art form that represents the human struggle yeah. is hip-hop. Yep. <laughs> I put those leaders who are at the forefront of that movement, they are geniuses. Absolutely. I am the first person to say, no, 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 you don't understand. Jay-Z is a fucking genius. Yes. Like, he will be around. It is here to stay. You may not like it, but I would, I'd probably get on this train. It's your right to not get on the train, but people are going that way. So yeah. <laughs> you got a decision to make, buddy. Like, yep. what are you going to do? So yeah. they are, and it was something that I figured out like recently too, like maybe a year or two ago where I was like, oh no, this is the music. I love the way you yeah. put it. That represents human struggle best. Mm-hmm. That's it right there. Put a stamp on it. That's it. Boom. That's what it is. I love it. That's the reason why hip hop is so dope. I mean, you can go to Japan and I mean, this is the experience of Dub C. Dub C, who's like from, of course, Los Angeles, right? Mm-hmm. Mac 10. They go overseas to Japan where they don't speak a lick of English, but they do know all of their words. Word I mean, all the word. words for their songs. And that's in, and it's in English. Yeah. You know, like there's a, a level of. 
when you think about it from a philosophical standpoint uh, about the power of the magic of hip hop, I was just talking about the magic of hip hop earlier today with my class. We were reading over a, um, um, a short article on Run DMC and like uh, an argument, matter of fact, on why they were the greatest of all time. And one of the writers mentioned something about the magical power of hip hop yeah. that Run unleashed. Um, you know, the magical power of hip hop is that it has the ability to translate or to go over, to go under, to go through, right, to bust out of cultural barriers. Mm -hmm. That's the thing about hip hop. It can transcend or go through or fade, what, however the metaphor is you want to describe it, has the ability to go through or to disrupt those borders that we typically or traditionally, socially, put on ourselves. I like that. With that being said, there was this old idea that I had when I first started traveling outside of this country and started seeing the actual, like the impact that hip hop has. And I go, oh no, this isn't just American culture. This is the globe. This yeah. is our little rock that yeah. we float on. Yeah. Everybody's rocking with it. Yep. I got a little divisive. I got really defensive. I got upset. My chest got, you know, flexed a up a little bit. And I go, hey, whoa, what are you doing here? This is mine. Yeah. Just like I said earlier yeah. with the cookies. I said, these are my cookies. You don't get to touch these cookies, all right? Don't even look at them, all right? Yeah. Don't listen to it. Don't talk about it. Yeah. This is us. That's wrong. And I now reflecting on it and through a lot of like in-depth sort of, you know, searching through my mind, I think my responsibility as, let's say, an American, as a L.A. native, as, you know, um, somebody who is very connected to the black culture and the community, I have to act as a bridge. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. As I understand there's oceans, there's this and that, but I go, no, 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 no. Come here. Let me put you onto this. Yeah. Who's that? One of the weirdest things was I was stranded. I Here's the thing is Hannah got COVID last time we were in Sweden. Mm -hmm. I had to fly back. It was the worst experience ever. So what happened is she's um, one of my connecting flights didn't make it. I got stranded in Copenhagen. Oh, it was shoot. wild. Hotels yeah. were being weird. It was like, imagine like a Ben Stiller movie oh, yeah, of yeah. like, sir, this ticket is fake. And I'm yeah. like, but the dude at the kiosk just <laughs> like that was happening of like, well, I don't know where you got this. It says the airline right there. Like, like, no, so, oh, I got to call my man. Just everything. Is this yeah, passport real? They dude. were legit giving me the business out Dang. there. And I was like, I was at the point now where I was like, I'm never coming back here. Like, fuck <laughs> this. It was bad. So anyways, I say that because the coolest thing from that giant uh, clusterfuck of yeah. trying to just get home to America by myself, first time going international like that. And I was at buying an adapter because I was here for the night. Phone's about mm -hmm. to die. I was like, dang, mm -hmm. I need the the scan, the Denmark, you know, plug-in or whatever. I'm at 5%. The girl behind the kiosk was bumping like i can't remember if it was asap rocky yeah. or little baby yeah. and i was like hey wait a minute who are you this little cute blonde girl yeah, from yeah. you know who know copenhagen yeah, like yeah. what you doing with this hold yeah, on now yeah. and she's like oh my music you like my music and i was like your music all right that just that right there of like yeah. she's my music i said yes. yeah that is your music there you go but she was like my coworkers. they don't they don't like because it was late at night it was like you know real late whatever it was and she was kind of playing it over the set whatever the 7-eleven little sure. intercom you know getting yeah, after it yeah. i was like i like this so just the way she she took ownership of that yeah i really like how she was standing with us right there she it, it made me happy 
You know, I mean, that's the power. That's what I mean. That's an example of what I mean when I talk about, right, the magical power of hip hop, mm-hmm. right? It has, it creates a space where individuals can feel like, hey, they identify so much, and this is beyond themselves, right? They identify with a message, with the music, with the songs, with the beat, whatever. Some aspect of hip hop, right? In that song that's presented to them, they identify with it so much that they're able to overcome their own worldviews or their own shortcomings, their own limitations on their own perspectives, right? And enjoy something new. Mm-hmm. That's the magical power of hip hop, right? Um, and, you know, it's funny because you actually mentioned, you, you mentioned uh, going to Copenhagen. I'll tell you a, a brief story. Um, one of my earliest experiences traveling overseas I was like maybe I was in high school sometime. I was at King Drew. We were in Compton, and uh, I was part of the Spanish club. And this was right after, um, right after nine uh, eleven, uh, right. Okay. So nine eleven happened, and we had a meeting, a parent meeting, the month later to talk about the Europe trip that had been pumped that whole summer, right, uh, between the Spanish club and the French club. A lot of parents backed out. Right. Uh, my mom and my dad, they were like, well, hey, if you want to, I mean, you, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. We had a whole conversation about it. So we ended up actually going overseas. Right. Um, this is before we even had licenses. Like we had to go and get passports and stuff like that way before we were even driving. It was me and my best friend. We get on over to Barcelona. Right. We have a layover in Frankfurt. We land in Barcelona. We do three days there. We go do two days in Madrid. And then we hit another four days in Paris. Right. So we're part of the Spanish club. We don't speak a lick of French. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So we had to literally go from a country where we kind of sort of knew the language and could get around to, yo, I'm here and I don't understand anything at all. Yeah. We ride on this train. Uh, we're coming back from like Pont Neuf, which is like one of the highest points in Paris, right? We did like this whole city tour. We were walking all over the place. We were dog tired, right? Um, hop on this train, going back to the hotel. Super duper packed for some odd reason. It was just everybody was out that night, right? Once we all got on the train safely, this dude, he was he was Parisian. He was from Paris. He was like, "Yeah, what are you? Where are you? Where are you guys from?" Right. At first, he started speaking to my homeboy, my best friend, in French, and my my man was like, "No, nah, <laughs> nah, man, I don't know. <laughs> I'm from L.A. <laughs> I don't know what you're saying right now." And he was like, "Oh, okay. So you're you're American, right?" Then he switched over to English. Side note: the fact that like folks in other countries speak multiple languages is always something that's been fascinating to me as just uh a, not only a tool but just a really just dope feature of just humanity i mean i think if there were an ideal world if i ruled the world and everything in it <laughs> you know i would definitely encourage folks to learn multiple languages just in case you're in a situation like this and you don't speak the language at all yeah <laughs> so he's like he speaks to us in english he's like yo so you're american where y'all from and my my homeboy, he's like, oh man, you know I'm from Compton, right? <laughs> the whole time we've been all out in Spain and 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 in Paris, the only thing he's been saying repeatedly, he's been letting everybody know he's from Compton. Before the United States, there's no California that comes before Compton's first, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> so he was like, as soon as he didn't, he didn't, he stopped right there. He said Compton. Oh, right, the guy who was talking to us. 
He's like, oh, shoot. Dr. Dre, yeah. Snoop Doggy Dog, he's yelling out loud, like on the entire train. Everybody can hear him. Mm-hmm. So the, here's a dude. We don't even know this guy. We don't speak the language at all. He sees a whole bunch of black and brown kids just yeah. coming from out of nowhere. The one thing he's able to connect with us on, hip hop. <laughs> I like that. That's it right there. And that was like the first wave if you're talking about whereas if I found myself in that position now, you talk about where you can bring it all together is stuff like The Terminator, stuff like Dr. Dre. All that got pumped over. Mm-hmm. And guess what? It made us so similar that like we don't even understand it. So mm-hmm. now it's at a point now where it's like if I found myself in that position and when I did find myself in that position – a, if we just take technology off the bat, because I could just Google Translate and right. get by. It ain't, right. it ain't this thing in my pocket is you're good on the moon <laughs> and you'll be all right. Like it just like you're able to really resonate with people and communicate on a way that we couldn't before. You yeah. just like the answers are in front of you. You kind of just got to go out and grab them, you know? Absolutely. So. Pivoting off of that right there, what you're talking about is you have, first of all, it was a Parisian, right? Somebody yeah. from Paris. And they're dicks, too. Like, the you know, the culture is they, I, I've heard about that, is they, they don't want you in your city like oh, that yeah. if you ain't on your P's and Q's. Oh, so yeah. the fact that you were able to get one of those guys on your side, that that really even, like, heightens how the story was. That's it's crazy. the power of hip-hop, man. <laughs> Something that I don't know if you're aware of, but I'm going to put you on, is... I have, there's this weird sort of thing that's going on. Let me explain it to you is you had a colleague, let's, I'm going to paint you the picture. There was a Mm -hmm. colleague that wasn't into hip hop, let's say. No clue, didn't like it. I don't know what he listened to, but he was maybe even like avidly against hip hop around that era. Guess what? That kid had a son, you know, um, you know, my dad had me. Guess what? Now we're two kids where 100% this, like, let's say he's a white kid, right? Or something like that. He's into all the music I'm into. He's got it on Spotify, mm-hmm. Apple Music. He's listening to the bios. He's really into the know on like what's going on. His dad isn't though. He's still kind of left behind in that thing. So I came up on this video and I was like, I was in my living room pissed off because I couldn't figure this out is I saw like um, it was on Instagram or on TikTok or something like that. But it's basically this guy who has like millions of uh, followers on YouTube. The framework for his channel is he shows his dad hip hop from like the 90s, the 2000s or new stuff that, you know, his dad's like in his 50s or whatever. He don't know. But the, the dad is like a music teacher or something like that. And he basically has these enlightenments with 50 Cent, oh, yeah, with yeah, yeah. Uh, Dre, with Snoop. And he will literally just listen to some of the most iconic songs of all time and he'll just be like like it's those many men yeah, wish yeah, death yeah, yeah. upon me uh, you know what i mean and the yeah. guy will just this white dude is just bump into yeah. it and he's into it and it's just this i don't know why i was so upset but i was like hannah was like yo what's going on and i'm like what the fuck is he doing like what it, what is this he can't be doing like there's just what like why is it that this it's a cultural divide there's something that happened i maybe 10 15 years ago that it's kind of weird because the point I'm trying to make is they this kid, let's say he's my colleague, Trevor, Kyle, whatever it is, this young white kid that's right here with me that I fuck with, he's cool with, he also has certain seeds that have been planted from his father mm-hmm. who was back shaming and you know yeah. saying fuck hip-hop basically yeah. and not only fuck hip-hop but fuck the black community yeah. fuck all this stuff that you're talking about and basically just take it all and put it over there so you see how now whereas and i'm in depth i played ball with these guys i know the deal they love all the the 
what is it? They love what's came out of the culture, Mm -hmm. but there's still certain speed bumps that I can visually see and hear that I go, wait a minute now, you know, my senses start going, I go, wait a minute now, you're not understanding that this isn't something that you create. You know what I mean? Do you love the pleasure, not the pain of hip hop? We got to get into that. That's something where I've been like, and it's, it's, it hurts me more. It's something that I'm actively working on now where I'm just like, I don't know. It seems wrong. I don't know. Is it wrong? Like, it's just a weird fucking thing. It's hot and cold. No, you know what I mean? Right. You're, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's what you call, it's what, so sometimes I like to actually pull from like academies just because it does give me another language to think about things through and like to name certain phenomenon that don't necessarily have names in like my home language, right? Which I would definitely say is like hip hop, right? Or like black English vernacular, whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a there's a theorist um, who's worth going to look up. By the way, his name is uh, Homie uh, Homie K Baba, and Homie K Baba talks about um, this concept or this notion of uh, what he calls colonial ambivalence. And essentially, it's a state or condition in which uh, he uses to describe um, somebody who is uh, of two worlds, right? You know, uh, African enslaved individual, right? And a white slave owner, right? The product of, 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 their, um, of, of their copulation, right? Would be like, in some cases considered to be a mulatto, in some cases considered to be of two worlds, right? But they're biracial, they're all of these different things. They're one and they're neither, right? They're it's kind of a, a like you described, <laughs> that yeah. complexity, right? Mm-hmm. Um see what's what's interesting about that is the idea of colonial ambivalence is the the notion of having a certain kind of two mindedness right that uh, that's always in constant conflict um as a sociology major right you can probably appreciate this right i'll drop in one more other sociologist and this here is going to be fun because i'm gonna tie it to some hip-hop folks too as well who kind of break it down but we need the big language first to understand some of the other you know language that we kind of see right so um sociologists right one of the pioneers in the field w.e.b du bois mm-hmm. right talked about this notion of double consciousness when we combine colonial ambivalence with the notion of double consciousness then we can have a framework to understand that 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 experience that you're witnessing right um <clears throat> on the one hand right you're you're witnessing a kind of cultural conditioning that has been shared with your friend who has no sense of contextual awareness, right? He doesn't have any... American history to him might as well have an X at the end of it because it stands for the math variable unknown, right? Word to Malcolm X. (laughs) Because he doesn't know his history, right? Or because he doesn't know a variety of different histories that go into or that contribute to making up, right, this larger tapestry that we call American history, He's left with the only story or narrative that he has the closest access to, which is the limited narrative and perspective, right? The narrowed perspective of his father. Yeah. We can call that racist. (laughs) Okay. Right. Not only because of its narrowed lens, right? Or its narrowed point of view, but primarily because of the perspective 
that he implants now within his young within his young son, right? That doesn't help to expand his worldview. It doesn't help to teach him anything about those people. He doesn't even know who they are, right? Outside of maybe say for example yourself, who else or how else would he gain access to or exposure to black culture other yeah. than through the lens of someone else's narrative? Yeah. Right? Whether that narrative be rendered to him through song, through film, through television, or at the kitchen table with his father. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So if we're thinking about, let's take it back just a, just a step, uh, uh, just, just, just where we were one step ago, right, to this question of, right, the globalization of hip-hop. So you have your kind of food and liquor with that, right? You have your positives and your negatives, right? So we talked about the good stuff, right? The food, right? The, the, the availableness and the openness of hip-hop. But now let's talk about the liquor. So one of the dark sides of hip-hop going global is the fact that the image that's most popular of hip-hop and how it's represented, right, how it gets performed is an image that is indeed a caricature of black culture, right? And so that image there gets popular and permeates throughout film, music, other songs, right, and other artists who are popular, right, who are global top 40 artists, yep. as well as film and television, right, so on and so forth, right? These images get circulated in the popular cultural mainstream that help to reinforce a narrative or at least the strands, the seeds of the narrative that get planted by at the kitchen table by the story that's leveled there from your friend's father. Mm -hmm. Right. That's where your friend first gets introduced to learning about how not to like hip hop. Right. And by extension, all those other things that come right along with it. There's an interesting film. It was also made in the 90s. It was called American History X. It was uh, directed by Tony Kay, starring Edward Norton and Edward Furlong. Look, we're going to keep it continuous. We're going to keep the string going. Okay. Edward Furlong was actually the kid who starred in Terminator 2 Judgment Day, which dropped in 1992. I'm familiar. <laughs> so we're yeah. going to keep it rolling right on the lawn. That was like the third movie that he was in after that. American History X tells a story of a young boy who grows up similar to your friend. He actually joins, he takes a, a further step. His brother, his big brother, was actually the lead gang member of the neo-Nazis, the largest gang member of the neo-Nazis on the West Coast. And he went to, he went to jail for murdering a black man, mm. right, as a racial hate crime. His little brother, while he was locked up, right, the older brother was locked up, he did some time. His, um, his younger brother ended up following in his footsteps while he was away at jail. Long story short, don't want to ruin it for anybody who's interested to go and see it, but there's something that happens in jail where a black man comes to save him. That is his celly, right? Yep. He ends up learning about who this man is and really by extension, right? His, he gains a little access to black culture through the experiences of his cellmate who shows him nothing but love and humanity, right? Whereas, some of his quote unquote own people wanted to show him the opposite. Mm -hmm. So what's interesting is the fact that that man who became the greatest leader of the largest neo-Nazi gang right in the film, guess where he got a lot of his racist ideas and ideology from? Who? His dad at the kitchen table on Sundays at dinner. Mm -hmm. Right. But it wasn't until he was, he, he, he continuously had shown to him 
these examples, these models of humanity, which came in that film decidedly from black male characters, right? So my whole point in just trying to like kind of dovetail that back on into the hip hop uh, globalization example, right? And kind of looking at how, uh, you know, the images that we see circulated through popular culture kind of get reinforced with a certain kind of narrative that's shared with us that has nothing to do with black folks at the kitchen table, right? Mm -hmm. You know, the way out of that cave, right? Because that creates an enclosed understanding around an individual, right? It closes in their perspective. The way out of that cave is to get exposed more to folks, to ideas, to thoughts and thinking perspectives beyond your own worldview. Yeah. How do you do that? Well, hip hop always offers that way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's the food side of hip hop. That's the great side of hip hop and the storytelling, the narratives that come out of out of out of the hip hop, the oral tradition as you say. That's the real beauty and the magic of hip hop is that it provides that platform for those stories to come out to lead people out of that cave of misunderstanding. I really like uh, one of my favorite podcasts is the Pivot Podcast. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, Fred Taylor is one of the co-hosts. And he said something. When he said it, I was like, oh, that's it right there. He goes, exposure leads to expansion. Yeah. So he says that like several times every, you know, few episodes or so. And I go, oh, yeah, you fuck, you're not going to grow if you don't get out there and, you know, take some swings and try to play the game. So, man, that's crazy. You've got to, you know, that's what's really, I think, when we're talking about um, how, you know, I think, I think part of your original question was asking me about like your friend who has a certain kind of perspective that one may actually interpret as racist. I'm not, you didn't say that. That's my kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. I, it was accurate. Yeah. Okay. Like some racist tendencies, but okay. yet you want to rock, you know, the, the fitted caps and the, you know, the gear and the same, the, this, the J's and you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and it's yeah, like, wait yeah. a minute now. Yeah. yeah. You know, so part of that is, I think a lot of that is actually rooted in our own security, right? Like our sense of security. So like, for example, um, think about, you know, uh, Amy Till Mobley, right? Uh, Emmett Till's mother, mm-hmm. right? Um, when she actually opened up the casket to show the entire world what they did to her baby boy, there's a certain kind of security that she had to have within herself, a certain, I mean, just a fierce, yeah, like, yeah, spirit, <laughs> you know, about herself that that wanted to open up the eyes of others. Right. That kind of spirit is woven into the fabric of hip hop culture. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? So when it comes to like dispelling the let's call it the myth of racism. Right. Or rather the myth of white supremacy. That's the structural, the social logic that kind of informs um, institutional and individual acts of racism as we kind of understand it to manifest in like a current day. Right. Um, and we can talk a little bit more about that, like, or, or you know, if you if you want or, yeah. or not. But, you know, the what informs the spirit of racism, right, the, the, the perspective, right, out of which racist acts kind of emerge is a myth, right? And it's not until we get opened or exposed to a either a myth that 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 same myth. But if we look at it from a slightly different perspective. Right. If we hear that myth, right, being retold from someone who's not someone who's constantly at my dinner table, yep. but someone else outside 
in the barbershop, in the beauty shop, at the McDonald's, one of the old dudes down there at the park, right? Just going to listen to somebody who tells that myth from a slightly different angle. Now that can give us a new perspective, a new way of viewing that, whatever the subject of that myth is, right? Differently. And it's the curiosity, right? The, the, the concern, the ultimate human concern, right? For the other, that one is the substance of not only faith, but also too, it's the substance of transformation, right? What can actually lead to a greater possibility. And that's how you dispel that myth that your friend, right, might actually have that he grew up with, right? It's being able to show him the thing that he was thinking was looked one way, looked the same way every single day, showing it to him from a different perspective. So that way he can just change the angle of view that he has on it and look at it differently. And that vessel that you're talking about of change, of uh, shifting perspectives, it's, it's right here in the phone. You know what I mean? It, it's coming at us fast. It's it's it, you can't avoid it. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Is yeah, it's it's yeah. basically impossible to avoid it. It's yeah. getting shot at at all angles. It's already there, and that's where I think it needs to be used for like good. That's where yeah. that's where I'm talking about. Where it goes? Oh no, yeah, you are exposed. I ain't never been to Brazil. I consume a lot of Brazilian content. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ain't never been to Colombia, but like, there's just the amount of. If you do it right, you really can learn a lot, man. It's crazy. Just the opportunities that are afforded. And then another segue that I wanted to get into is something I thought about last week that just jumped into my head is I think this human being that we're talking about, the twos, Mm -hmm. the the, the people Mm -hmm. with the Mm -hmm. twos in front of them, we're really different. Like when I mean different, it's you should it, be. <laughs> it, it's kind of funny because you know you got the grandparents' generation, whatever the baby boomers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, what, what's the one under it? What generation is under Generation it? X? Okay, Gen X. Yeah, okay, I get it. They're different, but more in a traditional sense of like whatever was before the baby boomers. You know what I mean? Kind of. There's a natural sort of like passing of the torch that happens of like this is the wisdom that i have here it is given to you this is (laughs) the wisdom that i have here it is and then you guys get to the twos and you go oh fuck we don't know what this is you see what i'm saying and where it's one of those things where it's like like i said is i've been fortunate enough to have so much great leadership around me that i'm comfortable in the twos i got this we're good like when i say that i 100 believe that i will be at the forefront of sort of this movement that's going on of this uh, shift in culture and everything that's going on is I plan to be one of the leaders that is hopefully looked up to and I can provide as much value as I can to people like I can. But going back into those people who aren't in the twos, oh, it's weird. Like, Like some of the advice, some of the, so let's say, take this, for example, the best way to uh, communicate with people used to be what? Creating certain, uh, what are they called? Groups, uh, Clubs, clubs, certain uh-huh. clubs, whether that be high school, college. I'm going to be honest with you. You really couldn't do that now. I could not really go to Long Beach State. And also, we need to get into this, too, mm. with your you know, decades of experience within colleges. Is I went through something pretty fucked up, my college experience, as far as like how warped it really was. And yeah. it was weird. And I had to really go through a battle to yeah. sort of figure out what was going on. So obviously, my opinion is pretty skewed in the fact where I have to give this thing a lot of credit. Mm. I give the, And I'm holding a computer. I'm holding a phone. It was vital. And yeah. It's one of those things where it was way stronger and scalable 
compared to a club that is in one geographic location on Cerritos College, on Cal State Long Beach. So when I... So what I'm saying is these people who aren't in the twos and I go, no, I don't think you understand the amount of power that I'm able to generate. You're yeah. not you're not getting it. That's that's some of the pushback where I go, where it goes, oh, normally to build up a show, it takes 25 years. You got to know somebody. You got to go to this. I go, no. Not what are today. you talking to? Who are you <laughs> talking today. to right now? <laughs> Hold on, me? No, no, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm part of the twos, my man. Watch this. Bing, boom, boom. Yeah. Submit. Hey, hit up who? Hit up so-and-so. Hey, build this. Hey, hey, do me a favor and post this for me. Why? Because I'll get, you know, a couple hundred other people to get that and we'll grow from there. I'm going to show you what real growth looks like on a, like a, it sounds weird, but like a cancerous level. Like you want to see something that grows fast. That's what the people in the twos know how to do. Sure. I know we haven't found our voice yet. We ain't been around long enough, but there's certain like sparks certain you you know in like a yeah. like a movie where you see the monster being built and they go uh oh frankenstein's starting to you know cha 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 and you just go uh oh this thing's going to be really really big yeah. and we better find it the find the right way to do it and have the right people driving the ship because you know i think really what that's the thing about your generation that the the old heads won't won't get some of the old heads won't get mm-hmm. Um, there's some out there that get it now, right? I mean, it's taking them trial and error. It's taking them a pandemic to get it, oh, right? Yeah. Um, so I I do think, however, that there is that 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 streak goes uh, in by by directionally, right? It, it goes kind of both ways. Um, so there are some things that I think they don't get and then there's some things that i don't think the next generation actually gets Mm -hmm. and for example you you just kind of articulated this a little earlier the struggle that i think belies your generation who can grow exponentially right fast right and you know kind of set up really quickly um is sustainability Mm. Right. Like that's the that's the real kind of missing component there, I think, to what otherwise is a, a freaking phenomenal formula. You yeah. know what I'm saying? For 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 taking or creating your own space. Right. In your own lanes. That's what I think your generation does, you know, just phenomenally. And that's because of how you all actually grew up with technology, almost kind of like right in front of you. Like you all, if you grew up in 2000, then that means that. You were born way before the iPhone. That means you were born way before Twitter, way before Instagram and all of these things. But those things, right, that I just mentioned, they all grew up with you, Mm -hmm. which is like a homie. So, yeah, of course, y'all, we're not going to be them them y'all little friends. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Right. We're not going to have as much, I think, on the wide scale we're not gonna have as much familiarity with those 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 tools, mm-hmm. right? Um, which you all actually do, and you can think about it in a way. You can think about how to use those tools in a way that helps you to achieve your goals. There's some components that you're missing, though, right? Um, and and nobody is safe from, <laughs> from having, you know, like a kind of perfect design. Uh, for any experiment that they actually take on. But the the difference is you all are gifted for that, right? Like there's space that's created specifically for y'all and your ability to maximize growth in a short amount of time. But you need some extra added components, which is what I think in in on the on the wide scale, what I think some of the some of the older heads are trying to like get at, right? Mm-hmm. 
um, the constant battle between, say, for example, right, like my mom and my sister. I'm kind of like right in the middle, generationally, right? You know, my mom was trying to explain something to my little sister who, who she wasn't born with a two in front of her birthday, but she's only two years away from it. Mm-hmm. So she might as well be, right? Um, you know, one of the constant battles that goes on back and forth between them two is uh, it's a question of or it's a battle of processes, right? So, you know, we're in math. Hey, I figured out how to actually get to the answer this way. Well, no, the way that the teacher showed me is this way, and this is the way that you're supposed to do it. Yeah, but I got to the answer quicker, though. Yep. It's that battle right there. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So it's not a matter of, hey, who's right and who's wrong, right? But rather, what can one learn from the other and vice versa, right? What can they actually share to help them to kind of make up the ground that they might actually be missing, right? Or the gaps that may actually be kind of present uh, in their current approach. That's what I think is 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 important about that kind of generational divide that you that you allude to. I like that. And on that, though, there's there's a few quotes that have really hit me uh, like viscerally, like really changed it. We go back to the professor, Laura, that I was talking about. I would say as I look back, because, you know, I'm only a few weeks out of being out of college. As I look back, there's there's four. I'll mm-hmm. give you four, mm-hmm. four educators over my four years of going to school nice. that have, I think that's a, I don't know if that's a high number or a low number, but four that I will look back. Everybody else, hey, no, they didn't get me. I was I was <laughs> building stuff mentally. I was already yeah. on natural thoughts and talks. I was Googling homework, whatever it was. There's a few that were able to go, hey, listen. And I go, yeah. oh, okay. Got you, Professor Cag. You got Coach Rich. He was there. Professor Laura. And then I'm in a class with somebody right now. His name is uh, Dr. TJ. So shout out to all them. I'm sure I plan on having everybody back on or on for a first time somehow within the next few, you know, days, months. Real quick. I'm going to get to it all. I got this quote, though, that that was the masculinity thing that uh, that one guy I was telling you, Mm -hmm. Professor Laura, Mm -hmm. hit me with. And I go, oh, fuck, I am weak (laughs) by being strong, by being hard all the time. I am not open to other ideas. James Baldwin, we can disagree and still love each other. Unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression and denial of my humanity and right to exist. Come on now. I'm sure you're familiar with that one. But when that one got hit to me, I go, oh, everything that I was putting walls up against, everything that I was ready to go to war with physically, emotionally, mentally dropped down to like one thing, two things. Everything else? No, it's cool. Come on in, man. Come sit down. What do we got going on? Okay, that's the way you want to do it. This is what I would maybe, I don't want to say recommend. This is how I would do it. Did you hear the way I would do it? Okay, hey, you're good. Just know maybe what you're doing. You know what I mean? But this is what we're doing. That's it right there. That James Baldwin quote really got me, really changed like before my eyes, literally as I was sitting in the seat, like right there, I go, oh, shit, I'm a different person walking out. It's a big thing when you <laughs> yeah. walked in a certain person and then you walk out a different human being. And it yeah. happened right then and there. I can see it. It was, you know, a year or two ago, but like I remember it right then and there. And yeah. that's a big deal for somebody who I'm not like the 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 way that school played out was not for me. Very, very educated, very you know, bright young man, just, Mm -hmm. 
I felt like Shamu in SeaWorld. Mm, That's mm, basically mm. my biggest takeaway is I'm telling you, please let the orca out. Let the orca out. He's fine. It's a fucking orca. Let it yeah, out. Yeah. No, we're going to keep him caged up. His fin starts to bend over. What happens? He starts eating trainers and shit. Like, of course he's going to do that. It's a fucking killer whale. What'd you think was going to happen? Right, so right. that's kind of my analogy for how I feel. And I feel like these next coming weeks and months, they're going to sort of uh, let me into the ocean and let me go do what I'm designed to do. Nice. So that's how I feel. And that quote sort of kickstarted my kindness journey back okay. to the kindness thing back to the love back to the listening back to it's all related it's yeah. all shit that i can dive into and use the traits and the tools that got me to the warrior that i built to the person who is a, the greatest lover in the room you know what i mean the guy yeah. who's the greatest listener in the room the guy who people feel safe to be around people still want to give me a call people want to have a good time with me i'll even give you one more something that hit me like a ton of bricks was when hannah told me in the car she goes hey i know all this stuff that you do around safety is designed to protect us and everybody that's in the car right now but i want you to know that i don't feel safe mm. because I think that I, she's sitting in the passenger seat, yeah. not understanding that by me ripping somebody out of their car or just absolutely going full on silverback gorilla on somebody, she doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't have control of that situation yeah. or I know the answer. I know the answer is there's nothing that makes me more comfortable than putting a human being sandwiched between the earth and myself. For example, very comfortable. It's one of my most best gifts that i've been you know blessed enough to develop that skill she says hey i don't like that skill i go oh fuck i've spent so much time on this skill and it's so good you don't even want it all right that's cool so mm -hmm. now where do we go from here yeah guess where i i found i fucking found the root of it where she goes hey she's a hannah's a when I say breathtaking, it's it's on a different level to where she lives a different life than you and I live. It's sure. really weird. People that are that beautiful <laughs> don't even understand. Now, there are a lot of negativities that come with that. But when I say like you ever moved, you know, when you move a couch, right? Let's yeah. say you and I take a couch, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm talking anywhere on the globe right now. We're picking up a couch. We're walking it downstairs. Mm -hmm. I've moved hundreds of couches in my life. We've moved every year in my life. I've moved lots of couches. Yeah. Why is it that the first fucking time I go to move in a couch into our shithole apartment, somebody goes, hold on, miss. Let me get this. It goes across the goddamn street, Cag. <laughs> like just broke, completely said, my day is stopped right now. I paused my day. I'm going to go across Pacific Coast Highway oh, wow. and help Venture, who I don't even know, move this couch out of the pickup truck. And Hannah goes, yep, that's how things... This is how the world works for me. And I go, that's not, that's not it, sweetheart. That's just not the way it goes. Just completely just, oh yeah, hold on. Let me hang up this business call I was on. Help this lady. Just things like that happen. Like just, that's funny. you know, like accidents sometimes yeah. are, she has like accident type of beauty. If she'll be on the corner or something and somebody will be like, oh, oh shit. You'll just see breaks hat. Like, whoa, that Hannah, that person almost caused a car accident. It wasn't me. I go. All right, whatever. If you don't think it was you, whatever. But the whole point of that was with that type of energy and, you know, uh, just God given talent as far as beauty, 
there's a lot of creeps out there. You know yeah, what I mean? There's a lot yeah. of people that I unfortunately have to, you know, have certain radars up and certain barriers that I'm prepared for and protocols set forth in place to where when things happen, you know, I make sure that she's okay or in the best position possible. I was before this point of me doing the safety thing before this conversation, I was just doing things. Mm. The key thing was, Hey Hannah, how does that make you feel? Yeah. I understand that person just cat called you or that person just did a very rude, aggressive move. How does that make you feel? She goes, Oh no, I'm strong enough to let that roll over my back. We're not worried about that. There's no reason to go to jail tonight. There's no reason to go all the way to LA County, try to bail you out or let you say it's Friday. So you're not getting out till Monday. You see what I'm saying? The judge ain't going to see you till Monday. So that means we got to stress for this out. Or I could just tell that guy, fuck off. And then we can keep going about our business, having a good time. Right. And I go, Oh, I didn't even think that was a option. I thought I had to go throw a chair at that guy immediately. Huh. I thought I immediately had to go over there and stomp that guy out. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that was that shift where I go, hey, how about the most important person that's involved here? I cue them on on the conversation yeah. and I go, what's going on? Tell me what's going on. Do you need to like use my muscles right now or is this we're good? All right, we're good. All right. Yeah. Fuck. Let's keep going. Let's just get in the car and keep going. So yeah. that's where that like maturity. Yeah. I don't know what the word is, but it's, it's right. I know it's fucking right. It's and, maturity. It's maturity because, you know, that that part of like you're, you're talking about um, <clears throat> something called empathetic attunement. Right. Um, empathetic attunement is the ability to actually see, right, or recognize someone else's experience, not as your own, but just what they are going through. And actually going back to what I mentioned earlier about the, the having concern, the ultimate concern for the other, mm -hmm. right, or for someone other than yourself. Right. It's taking a step beyond your own immediate like worldview, your own immediate experience and just allowing yourself to actually feel connected with someone, even though you're not physically connected. Spooky action at a distance kind of thing. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, that's what I use to call uh, intimacy. Right. Um, so empathetic attunement can lead to deeper intimacy between you and your partner, which is what it sounds like you've actually experienced. Thus, you're more mature. Yeah. Why? Because that's the purpose, the foundation, the point of love, right? Mm -hmm. um, at least according to Aristotle. He says, um, love should be, right? Uh, like one of the things that love should always do, right? Real love, the impact of love that it should be transformative, mm -hmm. right? Uh, when you have deep love, it is transformative. How does it become transformative? Well, through small acts, right, that actually produce empathetic attunement, which help you to actually develop intimacy. And when you're able to develop intimacy, then you are able to be beyond who you were before, right? You're able to actually do things that you weren't necessarily capable of doing before because you never opened yourself up, because you never tried to. Yeah. You always were on go mode, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. But by stopping, considering, okay, wait a minute. Well, what does, babe, you know, I'm about ready to rip this dude's head off right here, but I mean, how you feeling? Mm -hmm. Just that simple consideration right there. That's the empathetic attunement. Yeah. Right. And that allows for you and her to build a closer bond. Now, right, she understands where it is that you can go, right? But also, too, you understand, you know where it is that you can go, right? But you understand how to exercise your muscle, your emotional muscle yeah. over that, right? Yeah. 
So that doesn't always have to be your automatic one button that you go to. Yeah. Now you're able to access, right, or transform from the hammer to the Swiss Army knife. Yep. And that was another thing, too. We're just trying to be, like, the manliest, toughest, biggest, baddest guy mm-hmm. in on on in wherever I'm stepping into is it wasn't allowing, like, that you're talking about exercising. It's just, it, like, I wasn't able to develop that emotional strength. So... That was it is I think where I'm trying to take it is, yeah, I could go and just wrestle anybody. And unless you're pushing 300, man, like it's it's not going to be a good look for you. But why do I have to go to the 10 when we didn't even take steps three, four and five before? So it's like, wait a minute, Venture. This is you say that you want to be a person of like, you know, protocol, you know, transparency, stuff like that. But you're going nuclear right Mm -hmm. now wait a minute, there's no, like, nuclear is not needed once in history. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, we only right, dropped right. one, two of those. Like, right. hey, we saw what happened there, and we don't drop them anymore. Yeah. So, like, yeah. how about we just, you know, communicate first. Say, hey, excuse me, I, you saw I was taking that parking spot, sir. Uh, maybe you didn't see me, but uh, I was I was actually backing in. That's why I went by it, and you see, I know it's a big truck. Maybe you didn't see it, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, can you maybe, you know, back out for a yeah, second? Yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. So that's a possibility that wouldn't have happened if I go, let me just grab this chain. I get the back and just pull this fucking Camry out of yeah, this spot real quick. Yeah. Cause I can, but yeah. like, yeah. So, but, but, but you, what you're creating is a space for dialogue there. Yeah. So like when you want to actually get to at a more serious level or in a more serious way, um, not so much the answer, but a response to the question of, you know, well, CAG, what do we do with that, right? With the with the scenario or the situation where your friend gets, you know, constantly exposed to like, you know, hip hop as being something bad at the dinner table from his dad. Well, you can't have that opportunity to transform your friend's life or to change somebody else or to be transformed without dialogue. And I think what made me so upset is just I was taking historical data points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah That's yeah, what I yeah, ran yeah. through instantly. And 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 H- Hannah was sitting right next to me. There was no data yeah. points going. And I go, no, 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 no. This is the same shit what happened with Elvis. Hey, 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 hey. It's it's happening again. Fuck, yeah. I heard about it. It's yeah. happening right now. It's it, they're taking Drake. You know yeah. what I mean? Just yeah. like yeah. whereas I go, wait a minute. Here's what happened with all the opportunities that we have. I go, oh, no, this is actually a good thing if yeah. we do it right. And and the way it's going right now is it's looking right. There's no data points where I go, somebody's just stealing music, stealing, you know, like just ravaging through it and sure. like taking it yeah, and yeah. presenting it as its own because it's harder to do that today. It's yeah. harder. It's becoming really, really fucking hard because there's more eyes there's more voices there's more stories out there to pull from well you know what but but that still happens now to this day for sure Mm -hmm. right i mean i remember looking on instagram um a few maybe a year ago maybe six months ago i don't know six months to a year ago something like that Mm -hmm. right where you know there's that that song where you know the lady is it's it's this ill melody that she has it's like uh something about you know she only wants to be the greatest Think I remember which one you're talking about. Right. I can't really I'm a horrible singer, y'all, so don't 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 get on me too bad. But no, it's like it's kind of that melody, but the 
I think there was some other singer or some other person who was like a social media person, like a social mediaite, right? Okay. Um, who took that melody and passed it off as though it was her own and did not give that original artist her credit at all. Yeah. Ironically enough, original artist was a black woman, okay. right? Like not necessarily your, like in the IRE said, right? Your average girl from the video, mm -hmm. right? But there's a history of that kind of exploitation of, you know, labor and music and song, especially in social media, right? Being kind of leveraged, especially away from black artists and into artists that are on this global scale, right? Who have a higher or a larger following, so on and so forth. So the idea of like kind of appropriating something that is not yours and passing it off as yours is very much so still very real and mm -hmm. present with us today. Yeah. However, when it comes to the, that's that's something that's a part of, but not the sum total of what you're asking me about in terms of the globalization of hip hop, right? It's an effect of it. That's not the content of the globalization, right, of hip hop in and of itself. What you see in the global stage for hip hop is people who actually make struggle music. You see people who actually make struggle music that other working class folks or folks who are struggling can identify with. And at the end of the day, in the top of the morning, that's where that music there actually came from. And when those artists who made that music back then go out on the global circuit and they see other cultures' struggles, right? They see other how, how other folks actually take this music and make it into their own, right? That's what helps to grow the extensions on the branches of the human world tree, as it were, right? So hip-hop is something much bigger and much more impactful, right, um, than what we probably give it credit for. However, right, that's something, it's, its ability to grow outweighs and outruns and outpaces the appropriation that occurs, mm -hmm. right? So like when the culture vultures come to steal the seeds out of the garden, that 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 hip hop is actually dropping right from under the tree of it. Yeah. Um, it's able to outgrow that. Um, but you're but 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 it is something, right? Talking about that kind of appropriation phenomenon, it is something that's still very much alive and with us. But I think the joy in what you say is that you're able to shift your perspective on it, right? You're able yeah. to be more open. Yeah. And I think that that's the whole reason why I put my situations out here to the public is yeah. because I know that if I'm going through it, <laughs> I read this book, Tribe of Mentors. I think Tim mm. Ferriss wrote it. It's a, it's a thick Bible. Oh, we, is it thick? It's, it's, you know, it might be between a 1200, uh, you know, 1300 pages it's like if i threw it at you it's a you ain't waking you up from it. that yeah <laughs> but he's got honestly it might be like 300 really strong influential people yeah um you know he's got obama in there he's got like mandela in there nice. like just big hitters of just literally hundreds of like you know everybody on every page you go yeah. oh madonna okay it's literally 10 questions that he asked him in her interview. All these people that he's compiled over mm. like decades of work of just like podcasting interviewers, tribe of mentors. Yeah. Toby Keith got me. You ready? He goes, Talk to me. What did Toby, Toby Keith, Keith say? hit me with, and I, I'm a, I think I'm not a hundred percent. It was Toby Keith, but I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, Cause yeah, I was yeah. like, fucking Toby Keith. <laughs> 
<laughs> he creates, he said he was a struggling artist, right? Yeah. Making country music, doing his thing or whatever. Nothing was really hitting. He shifted his focus from uh, the opinions of outside listeners mm-hmm. to what if I created the song that I liked? What if I imagined my audience being 10,000, 20,000 Toby Keiths out there and I played what I like mm. and then career skyrocketed mm. after that? Mm. That hit me because everything that I'm trying to do, I go, wait a minute, I'm going to start a podcast. Yeah. Okay, I'm interested in a podcast. Let's pull up the whiteboard. Let's pull it. What the fuck are we going to talk about? Yeah. We're talking about hip hop. Yeah. Why? Because I like that. We're talking about fitness. Why? Because I like that. Yeah. Because other people like that. Because yeah. that's why it's the number one genre on the globe. That's yep. why people like work. Just everything. I'm the people. You know what I mean? Like, it, And the people are me. We're all one. So therefore, don't try and reinvent the wheel, bro. Just do what makes you happy. And guess what? You know, if you master your craft you will they will find you you know what i mean like a little bit of like you build it they will come the right people are gonna rock with it and if they don't like i said i said hey sorry tune into next week though you know what i mean like my bad i'm sorry to hear that i'm sorry you hated uh professor cags (laughs) you know take on this and that and that but guess what maybe there's something else for you over here and it's like kind of now that we're sort of tuning in on the back end of this conversation is one of the biggest compliments that I've gotten on this podcast is somebody goes, oh, I don't even know what this podcast is about. Mm. It's that diverse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, You go, yeah. wait a minute. We have, I've had entrepreneurs from Sweden yeah. on. I've had, you know, Team USA track and field coaches on. I've had, you know, elite academics on. And it's just like, and then I got your everyday guy, you know, my buddy's jet skiing, hanging out, just, you know, cool cats, like hanging out. So with that being said, we're going to go for, you know, maybe another 10, 15 minutes, see what's going on here, closing out. Let's get a little lighter. We've already, we've already created enough medicine out yeah, there. I'm really yeah. proud of what we've done. You feeling all right? You doing oh, good? I'm doing great, man. I'm loving up. it. Let's go ahead and get into like a sort of a backyard convo vibe. I want to hear, and in no particular order and not to be divisive as far as like whoever's not in this top five that I'm going to have you list, they're not worthy of GOAT status or legendary status. Give me today as we sit here, who are your top five hip hop GOATs that you can name? From like the artists that are popping right now or just like of all time? Anybody in your phone that gotcha. you would play? So there's some folks who just can't go into my top five at all because they're just off. They're yep. they're off, right? So they're automatic. Okay. Uh, I didn't. I didn't ask who's not in your top five. All right. Well, well no, go, no, no, if, no, if no, we're no, gonna no, get no, to I'm that, gonna go get, ahead. I'm, I'm go gonna ahead. I'm gonna get to the and top five. And this is your list. You're yes. free to say. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, care yeah. who yeah. you. You can put Bieber in there for all I care. All right. Go ahead. But this is just for all of the folks because I do actually identify myself as a hip hop head. For the there folks who will ask, why isn't so and so in your list? It's because they're automatically just goaded. So like yep. they they don't even get it on. Biggie, Tupac, Nas, and Jay Z. They're automatically goaded. I'm not putting them on my list okay. at all. They're they're they are they are the goat all list right. themselves. Top fives right now. We're looking at Kendrick. We're looking at Cole. We're looking at Lupe Fiasco. We're looking at Most Def and E40. Oh, okay. Ooh, E40. Yes. Okay, I like. So that. we can swap Most Def for Snoop. Sometimes I do that. Okay. Right. Um, those five right there. Killer Camp. Killer MCs. Um, mm-hmm. um, if I'm ready to go into a full blown battle with 
those five MCs right there. And I want you to go in depth a little bit on those that list. Uh, tell me, how, how do you feel about them? What is it that they uh, do that really, because everybody's got their own talent. Everybody yeah. has their own swordsmanship, their yeah. own weapons, their own flow, everything. What is it about their flow that really gets you going? Listen, when we're talking about somebody like a Lupe Fiasco, mm-hmm. You can take these abstract concepts that we were just having a whole conversation about and he'll have them in a song. He's yeah. a conceptual rapper, right? Mm-hmm. He's able to kind of take concepts down from the stars and, you know, pack them in the, into, into pockets of the earth. And he's able to literally, like, repopulate whole countries worth of trees with the metaphors and the ideas and the rhymes that he has, right? Um, you take somebody like a most deaf, he's going to actually take you on an in-depth train ride all across the globe for all of those cultures that we actually mentioned earlier who like have this deep love, passion, and reverence for hip-hop, who, by the way, you'll find that some of those folks actually know the history of hip-hop better than some folks who are actually here in the States, right? Yeah. Doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that they're more or less hip-hop and nothing like that, but I'm just saying in terms of the reverence for the contextual awareness, mm-hmm. they got it overseas. Most Def is going to take you all through a journey of, throughout these different cultures who do hip-hop in these different ways, right? Just with his metaphors and his rhymes and the, the, the subject matter that he's rapping about, right? New World Water, mathematics, right? So on and so forth. Uh, Snoop, he's a household name. Come on now, this is Snoop. <laughs> I, I don't go a day without seeing him on something. Come Corona, on. the radio, uh, some sort of ad. Oh, my God. Did you see his Bollywood uh, movie? You no, he has a Bollywood <laughs> movie. <laughs> I saw this. This I was on IG scrolling, and it was like, a hey, I, Bollywood is like, it's Bollywood, popping. Bollywood oh my is very God. popping. It's, they got great movies. Snoop, they had this man enclosed in an elephant, all right? We didn't know who the man was, all right? Got the curtains, got the girls, you know, doing yeah. the belly dancing, <laughs> All of a sudden, this man comes up full turban on, talking about what da 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 da, like grooving with it. Had Snoop? the mic and he was hitting all the moves. He was crip walking a little bit, and then he just went into it and was rolling with it. And I was like, Yo. he's everywhere. I was like, he just won. That's and, Snoop. That, that's why he's in my top five. You know what I'm and saying? And you see him because you'll really be like Snoop Dogg. Really, just like one GTA. He's just man, doing side quests yeah, now. Yeah, At yeah. this point, he's just everywhere. <laughs> he's just like, what is it? UFC commentating. Right. All right, let's go. Like, and Snoop commentating—it's the greatest. <laughs> I need him. To, I need him and Kevin Hart, or maybe just Snoop. You can pick, you rotate whoever. They, but they I balance Snoop. each other out. They, they, yeah. they balance each other out yeah. so well because it's so much like gangster on one side of the table, and then you know Kevin Hart's brand. He's just like, so what I was doing is I was gonna stomp him out, and I was like, is this a <laughs> kindergarten story? Cause what you talking? Y'all fighting over lollipops? Like, and it's just such a. He's like, yeah, but it was it was it was a cherry lollipop. It was different. It was red, like blood like it's just it's such a great dynamic Mm -hmm. you know like i mean you can't really snoop is such a household name he can't not be in my top five yeah right um and then i mean you know you got you got other folks who are out there but i mean like when it comes to when it comes to like my top five those are the folks who i would put forth before everyone else e40 literally invented 90 percent of the slang that Everybody, every hip hop generation uses since the nineteen early nineteen nineties. I've been putting <laughs> Hannah onto E forty because uh, we've been listening to more. She's been listening to more hip hop because we've been lifting weights yeah, lately, yeah, yeah. and you know that's just what I play. Yep. And uh, so now I've just been walking around going, 
Ooh, just I <laughs> just be hitting random like she'd be like, hey, so we're gonna go to the store. And I'd be like, all right, ooh, and just like walk around, stop doing the E forty thing. What you mean? <laughs> just because she likes the way that his just all brass, you know, yeah. going going. Well, I ain't going so. Just like the the like the his curviness flow. of his voice is so funny. But I'll yes. give you my top five, and yes. then I'm gonna get into something that uh, we're gonna talk about, like. There's men who there's the greatest rappers who never made it into the digital era. Oh, so I'm yeah. I'm gonna explain something that okay. my pops, who we he was heated when I did something, but just <gasps> let me give you my top five let and then hear, I'll explain something to you that people in the twos know. So number one, I got Tupac. Mm-hmm. He makes Los Angeles painted in the greatest light that it is you know what i mean he really makes it at a place that goes i if you're not from here i have to buy a plane ticket tomorrow and i must get there (laughs) asap because he's just making it what it is and you know that is la yeah uh you got you got to add in certain other rooms to the thing but hey he's not wrong that is you know to live and die in la that's that's a big part of it so everybody number two pockets little wayne Mm-hmm. I put him in there, man. When I talk about Lil Wayne's got some of the greatest just like <laughs> demos out there of just like you'll just see random stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. I've never heard this song. There's There's got to be hundreds of stuff out there that yeah. I find where I'm just like, when was this dropped? How was this? Who is this? Just like and he did something where he just really bridged like skater culture yeah with hip-hop yeah and talking about coming out with vans and you know what i mean uh skateboards and all this shit so he really Apes. bridged a group of people that maybe wouldn't have without his influence 100 percent. number three jay-z and this isn't like a number one two it's just this is uh, you yeah. gave me five yeah. jay-z yeah. just landed number five why because i felt like putting a j instead of an <laughs> l on you know what i mean that's just how that's it how happened it. growth When I talk about he's the number one artist where I've seen uh, through his body of work sort of a mastery of his craft, a flow, and a vulnerability within what he was able to open up about. He really does put you literally on the streets in New York for that time period. He made a documentary (laughs) and that's what it was and he did something so cool where he was like hey here's the thing is i was slinging drugs this is what i did i'm telling you about it and i just shut the door on it yeah mic drop you know what i mean that's why i fuck with hove so heavy you know a a note on hove too about that like that's the thing about jay i think that helps him to be transcendent over time his is a jay is a storyteller who shows you what the pitfalls of an experience are like as you're walking right along he's the guide on the side not the sage on the stage Mm -hmm. that's the thing about hove that makes him amazing he'll give you those life lessons at 25 right but then you turn around and you look at him at 45 and he's dropping or 44 and he's dropping 444 still giving you those life life lessons right I mean, that's one of the things that helps Jay-Z to just be transcendent across time. It's his ability to tell stories that are relatable. Yep. You got that. And then just side note, he bagged Beyonce. So like when you put, that's a, that dude is ugly. <laughs> like he, ain't, he ain't good looking. He got that. Arguably one of the prettiest women to ever walk the earth. 
I like that. That guy's he, you get goaded for that. Just alone you get goaded. <laughs> hey, you know what? You know what? Here's a little side note about that, right? So that should tell you something about that man's inner quality oh, yeah. and characteristic. Oh, yeah. Like when it comes to this journey One million of self discovery, right? And like really getting in tune with yourself. Yeah. That's why I'm with it. That's why I listen to everything he puts out. It's all that's it. He's on my top five all day, every day. Oh, yeah. Number four, Eminem. Sure. I throw Eminem in there, man. That was a cultural, not even a flip. It was a bomb that was dropped. Sure. And it made something to where like he brought it to everyone. You know what I mean? Sure. He, he He made a bridge and through his struggle, through his pain, created something that we hadn't seen before. And I think without his work maybe it wouldn't be as globalized. You know what I mean? He definitely sure. played a big part. And every one of these names that I'm naming, I like that I can go anywhere in the earth, play it, and connect with the people. Yeah, That's yeah. a big thing. Yeah, That's what I really like is I like being able to be on the back of the jet ski, let's say, and I play some Snoop Dogg. Oh, yeah. And guess what, everybody? Hey, you signed up for a West Coast experience. Guess what? I'm going to give you the West Coast experience. This yeah. is what we're playing. Everybody yeah. cruise on, have a good time. We're floating. And that's yeah. what that's what they provide. Um, last one is Kendrick. I threw Kendrick yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. What he's doing today is something that like it really hit me. That last album that came out a few mm. months ago at the uh -huh. beginning of the summer, just what do you think about that? Oh my goodness! Just I hope you find some peace of mind in this lifetime. And then it's just like his his ability to, it, it sounds like three people rapping. Mm. It, it, it Definitely two to three people yeah. when he slows it down, speeds it up, just the amount of talent. It's like being right-handed and left-handed. You know what time. I mean? Yeah. yeah, you're just like, hold on, let's swing. All right, let me turn around. Hey, guess what? <laughs> it's just as good. You're like, yep. wait a minute. Yep. I don't know. This doesn't, it defies the laws of what's supposed to make sense sure kendrick does that yeah so, easily those are my top five of today it changes weekly you know what i mean I, it depends on what mood i'm in i throw it in and kendrick is always a fair one to actually kind of go to right like i mean he's on mine because he holds one of the greatest acclaims that nobody in recent music history can actually hold a candle to he's the only hip-hop artist over j over m over Cool Herc, over everybody, who's won a Pulitzer Prize. Oh. Off of music? Damn. The album. Oh, Damn. wow. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And that's an award that they give to books, right? That's an award that they give to the... That's the highest award in arts, humanities, and literature oh. ever in human history. Wow, that's cool. And the cool. last person from... Music, right? Like a musical genre that actually won it. Let me guess. What is it? A hip hop artist? Nope. Okay, Michael Jackson. Nope. Somebody like Michael Jackson. Nope. Oh, uh, I don't know. I thought it was gonna be Michael Jackson. Who? It was a. I can't remember the name of the individual, but I believe they were a jazz artist. This is why we have Google. Tell me what to Google, Google real quick. We fact so Google, check it live. Google. Um, the last person to win a Pulitzer Prize in music. A Pulitzer Prize. Yep. In music. In music. Before Kendrick Lamar. Oh, okay. Hold on. It'll probably be a list. Yeah, it'll uh, probably be a list. Yeah. Okay. Shoot. I'm just throwing up real quick. It's Voiceless Mass, uh, Raven Cachone, Steven Pillars, Andy 
All right, let's see. What musicians? Here we go. Yeah. Roger Sessions. Uh, how come Kendrick Lamar's not on this list? This is some big lists here. Um, <laughs> yeah. Who recently, before Kendrick, I'm going to have to like fact check this maybe after or something. Yeah. In music, before Kendrick. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Kendrick Lamar. Okay. Yeah, this is a hard one. It's not just like popping up. He says he won it in 2018. Um, dang. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Well, anyways, are you Googling it right now? Yeah. Let's see. But you said it was a jazz artist? I believe so. Here, I'm going to actually see. pull it up. Cool. Pulitzer Prize. Oh, Pulitzer.org. Why did Kendrick... <laughs> Somebody said, why? Yeah, yeah. That's a question that popped up. It said, yeah. why did Kendrick like, win like, What is this? <laughs> who let him in? Right, huh? right, right. <laughs> like, all right you man. know, it, but it was, was so amazing about this. Let me see. This is 21. Hey, you pulled out a hard fact. Usually I get them right. Boom, boom. All right, here it is. You said this no. was a fill-in-the-blank question, not a multiple choice. Man. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Okay, so maybe it might not have been all the way back super duper far but um let me see here so 2018 the person right before then to actually win was do you or do Yoon. that was like that's like instrumentational um elements that he actually wanted for um pie recordings these look like kind of classical pieces here um yeah this is interesting uh so yeah let's do a little bit more research on um kind of the context around this but this is a pretty significant like win gotcha. just the fact that this guy right here nobody in hip-hop history has ever won this award yeah so i mean goat status off that alone mm -hmm. <laughs> and then the last thing i want to transition into is there is artists the <laughs> I don't I don't I'm not saying like the hip hop graveyard or anything like that, but there's certain people that's music made it to people in the twos. Yeah. All right. Yeah. They made it. They're here. All right. Obviously the icons, people like this. And then there's other people that maybe they just stayed on CDs. Yeah. Still really dope. Still made it. For some reason they just couldn't jump from the C D to the digitization of everything the mm -hmm. twos didn't the twos never even had the opportunity to make a, a judgment about it so uh anyways i took my pickup truck out there my dad bought a new one you know we ended up passing that one down to me in the back of this pickup truck was maybe 500 cds i don't know how many cds were in here but it was a large collection of hip-hop all right nice i go the fuck are these cds doing in the back of my truck now <laughs> what and are these go, old antiques and doing i go here? trash <laughs> Whoa. wait a minute one of the most aggressive moves i've done in a while i go trash don't need it just like like dave oh, Chappelle, wow. kick it right there like <laughs> just trash them oh, no. i was like yeah guess what all my music's up here on the phone <laughs> i don't know what this is for i didn't realize the amount of heartbreak that he was gonna go through when he goes hey so uh what about those cds that are back there underneath the seat because what happened is it was under you you pick up the you know you lift up the back, the back seat yeah. and you got a storage yeah. compartment uh -huh. i was putting subs in there so yeah. i had yeah. to clear everything out that was the first thing i did was he just had so much crap and he goes you threw away all of them that's the thing my dad did he goes you threw away all of that's them that's how you know you're heartbroken yeah. he said wait a minute you threw away all, yeah. all of them he wasn't upset he didn't do no yelling no nothing he just goes 
you threw away all of them? Like <laughs> that was years of work right there. Like that was that was when I was cool. Like that yes. was everything. And I yes. go, I didn't realize it until, you know, some time after I was like, damn, there might have been some really cool music yeah. that just didn't make it onto there. Yeah. But and then here's the even funnier part is I go to Hannah's dad's garage when they were living here. Mm-hmm. This dude has a, a, a massive crate of vinyl of oh just yeah. vinyl, yeah. just and i was like so you guys immigrated from europe and you said oh yeah this is for sure got to make the commute oh, over yes. there and i go it was just a funny thing where i Dude. go you got this thing it fits in your pocket what you mean? and i go oh some of that stuff's not on there though we got a lot of it but we don't got all of it so Dude. you talk about there's under like there's this thing going on where tiktok is really pushing hip-hop for Mm. people outside of the black community. I was upset about it until I saw it with my own eyes, the Mm -hmm. amount of good that it's doing as far as it's bringing back people from the dead. There's certain songs Mm. that will go viral where they go, it'll be Stay Fly by 3-6 Mafia. It'll be Half on a Sack. It'll just pull out and I go, wait a minute, like, this is songs that I know. Like, I, I... remember listening to these songs in the back of a 96 impala driving around lakewood bellflower cerritos area this song just pulled back a core memory wait a minute (laughs) yeah but for hannah or somebody like that they go oh this shit's hot this is a nice song they go i go wait a minute how do you know this song so now (laughs) i go and i really like for somebody who is born in the twos i have a well I'm well-versed in historical music. So I'm able to pull not just hip-hop, country, yeah. uh, rock, pop, all sorts of stuff where I'm able to, you know, bing, bing, bing. There's certain things where I go, oh, you know this song, babe? Right over the head. Never yeah. even heard it. I go, oh, this is Scarface. So this is where we're going to start right now is this is blah, blah, blah. He's from Houston. This is where we're going, blah, blah, blah. And then I'll go, okay, this is 3-6 Mafia. Oh, this is the TikTok song. I go, hold on now. This ain't the TikTok song. That's disrespectful. Yeah, now, I yeah, get it. Yeah, yeah. TikTok just blew him back up and literally just recreated his career off of nothing. Just And, you know, billions of people are now listening to this because it is billions. When, when one of those songs yeah. goes viral like that, it will jump you damn near into the top 100 Mm. of for sure the month if not shit it could even do the year sometimes depending on how long this trend goes for like uh, as a viral so it's just funny how there's stuff from your generation and before that we don't know how there's no like uh pinpoint like there's no algorithm This, this shit is not it's random when i talk about it's just like songs that'll just get pulled at it's not like biggie smalls everybody knows biggie smalls it's gonna be somebody that's just like wait a minute like a ball and mjg yeah it'll be biz marquee you see what i'm saying and where nobody with a two is well versed in him but guess what this song just came back so now it's like a re what is the word introduction or reimagining yeah it's like a, a a cycle that just comes through and i go it's wild you know, I wonder about that sometimes, too, because I do know that the algorithm plays a role. I know that <clears throat> a person, right, plays another part of that role, too, right? But just in terms of the process by which something actually goes viral, I don't, I'm not as familiar with that process. And so I don't really quite, I can't really speak to, like, this, like, the kind of TikTok sensations However, I do know how that gets received, especially among the hip hop culture, right? Or, or, or among like, you know, different communities within hip hop culture. Um, what's interesting to me about that is one, from a pragmatic perspective, right? There's no way to stop that. 
There's absolutely no way that. What do you anybody... mean to stop that? Why would it need to be stopped? Well, so I'm thinking about like some of the. You the... thinking about like a copyright thing, or what are you? Mm, well, what are you yes. talking about? Yes, a copyright thing, but also too, even before we get to the copyright issue, because now that's an issue of like kind of business and ownership, right? Masters and who has access to that, which gets us into some of the underlying causes that kind of creates a certain kind of backlash to that phenomenon, right? Of TikTok taking a song, right? And then just blowing it up. Yeah. Right? So let's put a pin in the conversation about the copyright. Uh, we'll return back to that in a second. But even before that, there's nothing or n there's nothing anyone can do to stop a song that hip hop may have considered to be ours, right, from going viral. Like yeah. from a pragmatic standpoint, there's nothing that can stop that, right? Why would somebody want to stop that? I'm not I'm not saying that anybody does want to stop that, right? I mean, I I'm sure those hip hop artists definitely don't want that to stop, yeah. right? Especially those who own or control their masters, right? The issue in terms of backlash that may actually pop up and that I know for a fact has popped up around, I didn't, I wasn't familiar with it from a TikTok standpoint, but more so kind of from uh, like the IG standpoint, like you, yeah. know, you hear a lot of, you know, those social media songs, within, social media yeah, YouTube, everything right, right, like, right. yeah, right. I'm just like utterly not familiar with TikTok at all. So I don't, yeah. I don't even yeah, you're old. The I got you. Yeah, there's, <laughs> yeah, dude, like yeah. <laughs> IG is like, you know. That's extreme for me. <laughs> Just real quick on it. There's something that's going on right now. You were a part of Web 2. You know what I mean? Uh, older people were part of Web 1. There's something called Web 3 that's going on. Quick overlook is it's just basically the uh, introduction of the blockchain. This is when we get into crypto. This is when we get into NFTs. This is when we get to a very high level, complex nuance that seems that way for people who don't have this iPhone built into them like I do. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. when you take your internet brain and try to bring it to the blockchain, it's the same equivalent to old people, which I hear about not wanting to put their credit cards into the internet and buy something online sure, because yeah. they didn't want to get I, like scammed or, sure. you know what I mean? Hoaxed yeah. or something yeah. like yeah. that. Yeah. People that are taking that energy, just like you said, now you're the old head. Now you're the old guy in the room to there's where some hesitation. there's a language that's going on that is very easy for me to receive because this is the business that I'm being thrusted into sure, yeah. and I understand it. I didn't operate within business 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. So this makes sense to me. This is why it basically what it is, is it allows for the control, the absolute control of digital assets. Mm, so okay. you so see like what I'm NFTs, saying? NFTs, yeah, yeah, blockchain, yeah. technology, so crypto. It, it, you know, it gets, that's just like the quick, web, but what I'm saying oh, is gotcha. there is something going on called Web3 yeah. that is just potentially as powerful as what happened in 96 when email came around or the sure. internet that came sure. around. So sure. that's what's going on. Now, 99% yeah. of that shit is going to do the same thing that the internet happened there was a crash you know things happen but the the sort of lingo that is going on it is here to stay it's not a phase just like what it is so it's sure. like it's one of those things where there's another train that's leaving you yeah. can be a part of building that train or you can watch it so yeah, yeah. but you were saying as far as like uh these old guys being <laughs> what is the resurrected <laughs> that mm -hmm. is the word mm -hmm. that i'm talking mm -hmm. about because it really is resurrected how it's one of my dad's favorite artists of yeah. you know three six mafia group and then yeah. it goes wait a minute how is this kid in wisconsin listening to this song sure. no idea 
You know, what's interesting to me about that is like on the one hand, right, there is a kind of natural backlash that the community, hip hop culture and community has, right, to hearing something that was once a good little um a good little hood thing, right, being exposed on the global market. Yeah. Right. So that's the that's what my earlier comment was kind of referring to. There's always gonna be a backlash. Yeah, right? I get it. Um a kind of whiplash rather. Um so, but there's nothing practically that we can do to stop that. Yeah. So, what else? What other options? Right. What What are some other experiences that actually exist out there? Well, another kind of response to that is, well, okay, how, who? Now we can let's take the pin out of what I mentioned earlier in terms of like uh, ownership, right? Copyright. Yeah. So, do these artists actually own their masters? That's the real question. Because if yeah. they do, right, then hey, it's great, it's wonderful, because now they have a way to feed their family 30 years after they've, they, they're, they're hit, it's no longer hidden. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Here's the problem that we end up running into, especially when it comes to some of those artists who need to be resurrected. Many of them were actually signed to exploitative, right now getting back to the issue of cultural appropriation, yep. right? Many of these artists were actually exposed to contracts that were exploitative. Where they got paid last. <laughs> if they got paid at all. Yeah. And at the end of the day or at the end of their career did not end up with the masters no. of their of their of their works that they actually created, right? But somebody like a Lucian Grange, right, or uh, uh this person or that person, right, has the controlling interest, right, in their masters, right? They own just as a part of a, an investment portfolio that they have, they probably don't even know what what all is in there. Yeah. Right? But hey, Wound, what they wound up with cool in the gang's masters, yeah. <laughs> right? So that's where it becomes problematic, and that's where I think in some cases the backlash, there's a strand in that backlash that's talking about or looking at shining a light on that kind of dark, muddled area because oftentimes when it comes to these artists from back in the day who don't own or have control over their masters, you have somebody on TikTok breaking the song who actually owns it or some other company that owns it. And now that song gains popularity not only in social media, but then it also starts to get licensed in commercials, in films, in television, so on and so forth. And everybody except for that artist is eating off of it. So now you got a scenario that's worse than what it was that when they went into it. Now he's not the last one to get paid. He don't get paid at all. Yeah. And he's the one who actually made the song. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think you said that, and I'm on the same page with you, but it's almost like a, why does it matter? Or are we just talking about this, this last guy who, you know, unfortunately was a part of a system that didn't work out in his favor. What do we do with that? Do you see what I'm saying? Is like Because it, it also seems like a, okay, yeah, this is big, wild swing comparison, but it's like, okay, slavery ended, right? Uh, you know, there's slaves that are now in their 20s, 30s, right? They just went 20, did 30 years of slavery, let's say. Now you got a slave that did 15 years of slavery. Does this guy who did 30 years of slavery go, wait a minute, nah, bro, you need to do another 15 years and then you're free. No. It's like, it, it's no, that gray no, no. area, right? It's just like, that's where it kind of washed over. And mm -hmm. now we're trying to fix something that's better here in 2022, and you know this guy just sorry buddy you got fucked like that that happens you know that sometimes that's how it's dealt but when and where does that happen and to whom in this situation what do you mean like the group in this era 
in this era who's getting fucked no no no. when and where does that this thing that you said hey sorry buddy you know hey this thing here just kind of happened to you when and where does that happen and to whom uh it happens when what like the executives are talking to the talent uh no where the person who you're saying tough luck buddy you got fucked when and where does that often does a, a that happen the most? A lot of places. What are you talking about? Politics? I don't know. You went over we're my talking, head. We're, what we're you talking, talking about, about music. We're talking okay. about music. When does that happen? Yeah, when and where does that happen? Like background singers? You went over my head. I don't know. What are you talking about? Get me in here. We're <laughs> it, off the same page it happens, now. It happens as far back as the origins of hip-hop, right? As far back as Cool in the Gang with yep. rappers, or excuse me, Sugar Hill Gang, right? With Rapper's Delight. Not near one of them actually ended up owning their masters. Okay. For a song that they kind of sort of created, kind of. Mm-hmm. I mean, Grandmaster Cass was the original writer on that song right there who doesn't get any publishing. Grandmaster Cass also is involved in an industry that does not offer retirement. It does not offer health care. It does not offer insurance mm-hmm. or anything like that. Life insurance, so on and so forth, right, for their families. So there's no, they're in an industry. Yes, you're right. Who has access to those resources right there? It ain't them artists. So here now, ironically, you actually mentioned, right, you gave the example of slavery. Well, let's kind of reintroduce that context right there just for a quick second because of something that's actually in record contracts, right? The masters and the slaves, right? This is not like a like a, 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 a conspiracy theory kind of thing. Like, I mean, there's been enough work that's been put out there now for folks to go out and to Google, right? The language of a record contract, right? Where they specifically refer to the masters, right? As the original content of the original final mix and master of a particular tape that the record company actually owns and the slaves, right? Or the facsimiles that are produced out of those masters, right? carry no monetary weight or value Mm. right so the language of the record contract this is i mean right some people love him or hate him right uh kanye west talks about this or alludes to it in the song entitled new slaves that was part of his illusion there right so this is a very relevant issue and it's something way more um i think deeper for us to consider than just to say hey buddy you got fucked Because ostensibly what we're talking about here is the same kind of uh, contextual situation or at least within the um, within the relationships that are established in the record contract. Right. You're talking about similar kinds of relationships that were established. Right. In terms that were outlined on the plantation. Okay. so that's why that's actually important and way more important for us to actually consider than just a hey buddy that's kind of sort of how the cookie crumbles no that's not how the cookie crumbles that's precisely how those contracts were designed spinning off of the hills of the success of the r&b wave of the 70s where where record companies and contracts things like uh companies like uh the hit uh hit factory right or motown right where they were performing just quite simply the normal modes of business, right, as it was practiced in the music industry, right? These The normal mode of business as it's structured federally and even according to like kind of state legislatures is that businesses have a, 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 an obligation to go after the, uh, um, the profit interest or whatever it is that can actually help to generate the most profit for their investors. Like that's their mandate, their legal inscribed mandate, Mm -hmm. right? 
that situation in and of itself, it, it it's it it's not something that is just haphazard. That is the way that the nature of business has been constructed to function as. And so when we're asking this question about, well, hey, you know, what's up with the resurrection of these old artists that nobody actually knows about? And aren't these just some fun, cool guys to actually just, you know, whose music we can just enjoy? Well, yeah, sure, it is. And they're real humans. That's somebody's daddy. So that's where, <laughs> as I said, that's the way the cookie crumbles. That's where I'm taking that sort of individualistic mindset that I'm working on. It's the kind way to go, wait a minute, we got to give that guy a cookie. We got to sort of do our best as a, a unit and as a community to help that guy out, do the right thing, right? Just not, don't try to just like, you know, you're cutting a fish up and just like, all right, this is a good piece. This is a good piece. All right, I got all the big pieces of the fish. There's still some pieces that are edible. You know what I mean? Like, you, where am I trying? I'm trying, I'm not understanding where the end is. Do you see what I'm trying to figure so out? The, the, the end is to actually not give that guy a cookie, actually. Okay. That's not the end. Right. The end is to right, uh, take a look at the factory in which cookies are actually made and make sure that the workers who are at the assembly line get a fair share. Right. As much as these people over here and those folks over here. Now, mind you, when we're talking about the record industry here, what we're talking about is in the contemporary or um, uh, excuse me. Our, our postmodern context, right, in which social media actually reigns supreme. There you go. So here's the interesting thing about that. Record companies are now and have been for the past 20 years irrelevant. There you go. With the utter complete sense of the word. However, what has not grown irre irrelevant is who owns the masters. Yep. So if they were originally, right, put up for sale, right, or given away for, you know, 40000 or 20000 or 10000 from somebody who was coming out the projects who was broke in 1980, and now they've actually amassed, you know, X amount of dollars over, you know, whatever time it is, right? That individual, much similar to the way that LL was actually presented an opportunity from Def Jam, should have an opportunity after a certain point to be able to go back and actually get those masters, mm -hmm. right? They should actually either get automatically awarded to them or if they've actually reached a certain type of, I don't know, viability, right, kind of economically, then maybe there's a new deal that needs to actually be structured, one in which that individual walks away with the ownership and maybe perhaps a certain percentage or a licensing fee can actually be paid towards the former owners of whatever X, Y, or Z record label that might actually be. However, that person, that's not what's happening. That's not what's happening with some of these folks. Mm -hmm. That happened with LL. Yeah. LL got the chance to actually buy back his masters after his 10th album. Yeah. LL is a very rare case. It's LL. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But for somebody like Biz Marquis, who paid for his funeral? Because he wasn't rich. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Um, who paid for, um, uh, what's my man? Man, I can't even think of my man's name. He just recently, um, uh, Mel. Coolio? No, nah, not, well, about? Coolio is a great example too, right? But, um, oh man, I can't think of my man. He's from the Sugar Hill Gang. Oh my goodness, man! It's gonna actually, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna bother me. Anyways, it doesn't matter. But the point is, we have to start rethinking about the factory in which those cookies are made, right? And changing how those deals there actually get done, um, and revisiting Wonder how those Mike, deals. Wonder Mike, Master G, Corio. No, not Wonder Mike. Big um, Bank Hank. No. Oh, that's Mel. Mm -hmm. uh, 
Uh, those are the four that came up. How many members are in the Sugar Hill Gang? Henry Jackson. No, that's Big Bang Hank. Wonder Mike. Master G. I'm only getting three. Three there's, members. There's like five. Uh, five or six. Man. All right. Like Sugar Hill Gang. Man, goodness gracious. I can't even think of my man's name. Uh, it's gonna. I'm going to remember at All three right, o'clock well, in the morning. <laughs> well, we'll <laughs> see if you get you. lucky here. <laughs> um, but the factory. That's what I like yeah. talking about. That's where the page that I was on was the factory. We changed the factory. Uh, I don't know. Are there workers from the previous factory that, you know, got invited into the new factory? What do we do with that? You see what I'm saying? I don't know. That's a very small thing. But that new factory is what we are building with Web3. You see what I'm saying? I hope so. Because, yeah. yes. Now, here, now let me actually. Sustainability? Yes, right? I mean, they're, they're, that's a gesture towards sustainability, mm -hmm. right? I'm not going to necessarily go that far to say that NFTs actually provide a sustainable mode of doing business just yet because they haven't actually withstood the test of time. Yeah. It needs time. It's not saying that it can't. definitely has the potential to, yep. right? But now, here's where having the those discussions, revisiting those discussions of ownership after a certain period of time, especially for some of those hits that are now that have now gotten resurrected, conversation needs to be had right now. Why? Because Web3, just as you mentioned, NFTs also too, right? The metaverse, prime field for a new chance at life, for a real chance at resurrection, yep. right? Because these artists... They might not know how to actually structure deals that can gain them access to more profit through blockchain technology. However, there are people who are already established in the industry like Jay-Z, like Steve Stout, like Nas. I can go on and on, right? Like Jake, Drake, so on and so forth who do want to reach out to the OGs, AOG, like Snoop. Snoop is like a notorious individual for that, right? Mm -hmm. OG, let me holler at you right quick. Let me show you how to actually get this money a new way. Yeah. You ever heard of the metaverse? Well, here, let me put you up on game. We yeah. didn't already bought Snoop metaverse. We're going to establish Death Row and do boop, 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 boop. Yeah. Right? Now he has a way to right get those artists like Warren G, like the Lady of Rage, like RBX, people whose music we bump and listen to in the gym. In the in the pickup truck, it'll stand the, the test car, of time. Yeah. But who don't ever get paid not one single cent off of the royalties because they don't own it. Now somebody like Snoop takes and buys the entire Death Row catalog, puts that available, takes it all the way off of every single social media mm -hmm. outlook and outform, so uh, uh, iTunes title, take it all off of there. We take it all off. Boom, we're going to put it up in the metaverse. Yep. Now, that's the only place where you can go and get death row or anything that's related to it. And whatever money it is that you give right here for this goes directly to these people's families. That's where we have to start growing yep. our conversation towards and growing these new attitudes and, and, and practices towards. So that way we can include the people who, whose music we actually enjoy and listen to on this celebration. What, what does it look like if we celebrating on the inside and they outside, they the ones who made the song and we partying and they song on the inside. Yep. And that's <laughs> something where the people kind of wrapping this thing up, the people with the twos in front of their birthday kind of understand that yeah. off the bat. Good. This, this deal that I plan on wrapping up with a Spotify or an Apple Music, you know, yeah. down the road, it's going to be a partnership. It's nice. not going to be, you know, hey, sure, take this thing that I just did with CAG and, uh, yeah, go ahead and put that on your catalog. That's not how it works. It's going right. to be something 
aggressive. It's going to be expensive. <laughs> I could tell you right there, it's going to be real expensive. Got some zeros on that check if you want natural thoughts and talks. But that's the thing that makes your show and really your 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 outlook so amazing because you're right. When you mentioned earlier, young folks, right? Like the, the generation with the tools in front of their name know how to amass a following. Mm-hmm. And that's what they are. That's what's going to make them pay. Yeah. The more you amass your following, the more leverage you actually have on the business front. Yep, that's what we're working on. I love it. What are we at here? We've been going for a while, two hours, 12 minutes. Oh, snap. We've been rolling. <laughs> that's about how long your class is or that what? That is, yeah, 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 heck yeah. Usually they're waiting to sprint out that class. Or, Man, uh-huh. you know, we usually do breaks like every 50 minutes. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. I'm feeling good and I'm happy you uh, blessed us on the pod. Man, I hope I wasn't too boring, y'all. No, no, you had a good time and you brought it out. This is what we were looking for. There's different, like I said, is a Swiss Army knife. That's what this podcast is. Yeah, yeah. Is we're we're changing lanes, we're switching it up. We go hip hop, and then we go fitness, and then we talk about yoga, and then we talk about basically whatever the fuck we want to talk about. Like it's it's whatever's interesting whatever you know we have certain experts on we have certain uh non-experts on we have just whoever wants to come in and have a good time that's what it's about i have one more question for you as we close out the podcast who is somebody that you would recommend to see on the podcast who's somebody you would like to see a guest on our show that i can reach out to they don't have to be in the same field as you it's just somebody that you think would come on and have a good time just like we did today. Man, you know what? I have to think about one of my board members uh, for the nonprofit. Uh, is a young man by the name of Davion Rolls. And Davion Rolls is somebody who I've had the opportunity and the pleasure to look at. He's actually he's from, he's from kind of like uh, a little bit before your generation. Okay. Um, but he's a young man. He also went to King Drew. He went to UC Riverside. And, you know, he's had just a really illustrious career. And he's like under 30. I think he's he's either under 30 or just knocking at the door at 30. He's a young gunner. Like, I mean, you talk about somebody who has a heart and a passion for giving to the people and for exploring business uh, really who has an understanding of how to grow businesses um he's somebody that's the best person who i can probably recommend for uh this show he works at uh patient pop as a matter of fact he's a young senior um um uh, a young senior manager perfect yeah i'll be reaching out soon and Reach hopefully we can him. get a date set and you know he'll bless us on the pod yeah well yeah. Like I said, thanks for coming on, Damon Cagnolati. Absolutely. Hope you had a great time. I sure did. Thank, Thank you guys you. for listening out. I know this was a long one. Thanks for sticking in there with us, and hopefully you got some value of it. And as always, love you guys. Peace. Peace. Cool.